You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. I want to start this episode off with a thank you. Uh, I always do that at the end of the episode, but maybe some of you don't always make it that far. So right here at the top, thank you. Thank you to all of you who listen to this show. And thank you to those of you who interact and let us know how it affects you. A particular thank you to the many people I heard from over the last couple of weeks who reached out to me to say that listening to this show motivated them to vote. I cannot tell you how much that means to me. It's been an intense week here in the U.S. and around the world, but I want to make sure that this is a place for positivity and joy. Gaming is a great hobby, And what brings us together is a common love of it. I've had some really dark moments this week, wondering how I'd be able to talk about video games, but I realized it's okay to still have fun. In fact, it's essential. And there are many of you listening, or (laughs) who used to listen, who disagree with me and Christian and our guests sometimes. You disagree with us about games or about our worldview, and that's okay. We are all family here, and often your family disagrees. But let's all decide right now to love each other and take care of each other and keep things in perspective. For 90 plus minutes every week, you know that we are going to talk with passion from the heart. And I hope that's something. I mentioned voting at the top of every episode for the last several months, asked geeks to speak. And those of you who did, thank you. Those of you who didn't, hopefully you realize how important it is. These geeks, right here, us, we're going to keep on speaking for as long as we're able. So I hope you'll hang out with us as we do. It's time for the music. Whenever you are and however you happen to be listening, we're so glad you've chosen to tune in to DLC, your downloadable commentary for the week, delivered the way we love it to be, completely free. And that's thanks to our sponsor this week, Casper. DLC, of course, the show all about games in their many forms, games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles, and also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I'm your host, Jeff Kanana, which is spelled with two N's and one T, and I'm joined by my friend, slash co-host, slash nemesis, the guy who is celebrating a birthday today, Mr. Christian Spicer. Happy birthday, Christian. Thank you, sir. Um, Also, quickly, if you can hear my voice right now, no, I love you. If you're mad right now, find a way to give back. Find a charity to support. I recommend setting it up as a recurring monthly payment so that you do it now and you do it in perpetuity. 
put love out into the world, make it a recurring thing. If you're happy now, find a way to make someone else happy too. Maybe even a stranger, someone you don't know. Take that happiness and spread it. And join me in doubling down on love. Well said, man. You doing anything fun for your birthday? Uh, spending it with my family and um, planning my 2017 of doubling down on love. I will say this, which is neither um, – I'm something I'm proud of necessarily for the last past four years. But uh, since Tuesday, I have either done more or committed to more charity work, volunteerism, and have made more donations to charities that are important to me than I had in the last four years. So, you know, you know Good. take that I, I lemonade, right? And listen yeah. to Beyonce's lemonade. <laughs> uh, yeah, we got a lot of really great games to talk about. I think it uh, was important to start the show that way, and we are very passionate guys, and we feel very strongly about stuff. But um, lots of games to talk about. It's a really exciting time of year for gaming as we approach the holidays and all the big stuff comes out. And some fun news to talk about as well, but I'm excited because we have a fantastic guest to do it with. You know that DLC is always your downloadable Kanata and your downloadable Christian, but this week I'm excited because once again, DLC stands for Die, Live, Continue, because we've got, once again, the host of the Spawn on Me podcast, friend of the show, Mr. Khalif Adams. Hey, Khalif. Hey, guys. How you doing? Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for being here, man. How's, how's your week been? You, you all right? How you doing? The week has been okay. It's been an interesting week because of all the trials and tribulations that have been happening in the world, but it's been nice to hear folks kind of come together and, and put out good vibes in the world. And thank you for the beautiful words from both you and Christian today, because I think that that's really, really needed in the space. So, you know, I'll add my one little bit of that is, you know, it's time to have the uncomfortable conversation with people in your life. And that is also love. Just remember that. Just remember to be sure to be able to speak truth to people and, and share good vibes and, and, and good good spaces. Well said. All right, guys, let's kick the show off the way we always do with Story of the Week. Story of the Week, it's the Story of the Week. Story of the Week, it's the Story of the Week. Story of the Week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happened in the world of games this week. Uh, because uh, a lot of things are overshadowed, but we're still talking about games. Uh, and you can always submit stories for our consideration by using our hashtag on Twitter, which is DLCSOTW, or by visiting our subreddit, which is 5x5dlc.reddit.com. Uh, some fun stuff to talk about this week, some rumors, some news. Uh, Khalif, as our guest, you get first pick of stories. So what would you consider to be your story of the week? Oh, man, the, the NES Classic getting sold out. That's that was really rough for folks. People people were not happy about this at all. Yeah, man, this thing went uh, sold like gangbusters. I think we all predicted that it would do well because uh, it's inexpensive, sixty bucks, right? Mm -hmm. But I don't think any of us really anticipated how uh, in short supply it would be. I don't understand really? what really. You think you you think that it was obvious that it was going to be? Uh... Am I the only? I was the only one that participated in Amiibo craze, so I guess I was the only one that <laughs> that realized this think, was going to happen. If they can't make uh, little plastic figurines, how are they going to make a uh, retro console? Is that that's I, what you're saying? I'm split between the middle. I'm not uh, on team. They're such idiots. How do they not know? And I'm also not on team. They're purposely restraining supply. I think Nintendo is a very conservative company when it comes to manufacturing. And I think that they underestimate things and ship out what they can and then try to ramp up production later versus the Disney Infinity, here's 10 million Hulk action figures. Oopsie. <laughs> <laughs> 
So, did either of you guys get one? Did either of you guys want to get one? What's your situation? I'm thoroughly confused. I'm actually one. I'm in the camp of confused camp. Because <laughs> okay. I'm like, why is this a thing? I remember getting MAME like 10 years ago. Why is this a thing? Yeah, it's, like, it's not like the first time we're able to play these things. You know, Most of them are backwards compatible on whatever Nintendo console you already have. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I would say it's kind of maybe in a worse condition, a worse state. Then, you know, putting it in this small kind of container, which is great. You know, the nostalgia is great. It's nice to see people are super excited to get the small box again. But the way that you have to be super close to the TV because it's because the cords are short, like the cord for the controller is short. Controller, it seems like there are a lot of limitations to this that could have been mitigated if, you know, Nintendo just made it something that was better on the virtual console. Or they gave you the option to, to, to purchase more stuff uh, right out the box. Or give you at least the chance to kind of pick the pick and choose the games that you wanted. Do it a la carte instead of just giving you uh, stock games in there. So it's an interesting development in, with the way that this came out and that folks are kind of clamoring for it. I'm like, don't you folks have a computer? Never <laughs> underestimate the power of member berries. <laughs> member? Member Nintendo? Member? I don't know, man. I So I bought one. I got lucky. Uh, my F5 skills are still elite level apparently um <laughs> i wanted to buy two i wanted to get one for my parents for christmas because they have wanted to get back in gaming and you know hadn't played in years and i've recommended some ipad and some iphone games and um you know they played some on wii and stuff like that i think aside from the cabling being short cleef i think that's 100 percent correct it's kind of weird um with the tv sizes that people have but otherwise i think this is a very smart product like yeah i have i can get the games on the wii virtual console or the 3ds or the wii u but that console is going to be put away at some point right just because of the upgrade cycle of nintendo consoles you get the switch you get the switch U, you get the super switch whatever they, they have down the pipeline but this is a thing that will forever be this thing it will forever have these games on it you have it hooked up you know stashed away and then pulled out into the middle of the floor apparently when you want to play it and it's not and i got the one i got She's not going to listen to this, so I can spoil it for her. But I got it for my daughter for Christmas. And, like, this is going to be her first video game console. And that really excites mm-hmm. me that, like, this is the thing that we can sit down and play together. And it's it's very kid-friendly. Yeah, I could, you know, huddle her up next to the computer and we could play. Or I could get the Wii U or give her a 3DS. But it just seems like a very easy way to introduce people to these games and to introduce people to a hobby that I love and that is safe and friendly and not confusing. It's not what games you, it's not like I would give my mom this thing and say, here's the list of games you should download. It's here's the thing, go explore, go have fun. So I think, I think they knocked it out of the park. I do think the cabling is weird. I don't understand that, but otherwise I think this is kind of uh, I think I talked about it when they announced it. I, I think it's, I think it's genius here. I don't know. I think you hit the nail on the head in a, in a large sense. Um, I don't understand the scarcity thing. I feel like it should have been easy for them to flood the channel with this. They say they're going to have restocks throughout the holiday season. Uh, but I think this is going to be one of those items that's always going to be hard to find. Uh, I remember back in the when the Wii launched and there was those websites that like had maps of your area and they would ping stores and, and find out when the Wii was arriving. I think it's going to be similar to that. Uh, I do not understand the people that are paying like 500 bucks on eBay for this thing. I think the whole draw is that it's 60 bucks. You know, that's <laughs> that's the entire the entire selling point is, hey, it's an inexpensive uh, impulse buy. But maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there's more to it than that. No, I don't understand the 
the high price and it, it's just like that gives me my frowny face i'm just in terms of society but that's you know capitalism or whatever i guess that those are people's businesses that's how they put food on the table for their families is that they you know do a good job seeking out this Scalp product and then, and then flipping it. it and you know it makes me sad i wonder if nintendo had sold this for a hundred dollars with that is it nintendo uh their supply demand curve is off or I, I don't know who's buying these things i when i got mine i looked briefly at ebay and i was just like no, I'm, that's not what this is for. This is not. I'm not. I don't need this to like make sure we eat lunch tomorrow. Like, let's use this and have joy with it. Uh, I'll tell you this. I will jump into this market when they make the power glove accessory. <laughs> there you go. When but they it's do a that, tiny then I'm version. Down. It's a tiny power glove. It's like only for your pinky. And it'll be dope. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, well, W. Matthew in the chat says that he he would only care about uh, a Super Nintendo version. Like, can you guys anticipate them doing that? I think. That would be kind of interesting to do a tiny Super Nintendo after this one, maybe in a year. <laughs> Those little slide clicky buttons would be really annoying on that, <laughs> on, the, on that new console. I, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be surprised. That would be a cool. I would think it would be a cool addition. I mean, if you can get the, the kind of uh, cabling stuff right, because I think that is a de- uh, deter- uh, deterrent uh, for some things for some people, especially if it's like you know where you're going to put this thing when I have all these other consoles and all these other things that I need to put in my TV yeah. stand. Um, but it wouldn't be a bad idea. You know, I, I want to see them flesh this stuff out more um, and give you I would love to see them give you more choice uh, in the game space right out the bat, though. That would be really cool because there were a lot of bad Super Nintendo games, too. So, well, there, yeah, but there was thousands of them. You know, there's plenty of awesome stuff. But yeah, yeah I agree with name you. Name one thing. bad Super Nintendo <laughs> game. <laughs> oh, man. Um, it, it, it's interesting. I, it's kind of, to me, the... Um, the equivalent of um, a music fan buying a record player. You know, it's like, yeah, retro and cool and, you know, I don't know, hipstery. But more power to I think I think you make a very solid case for it, Christian. And uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing all of the fun that you guys have after you unwrap it on Christmas morning. So um, what is your story of the week, Christian? So my story of the week is not on this little this little handy dandy. I think people know this that we cheat during the show. This isn't all just coming off the top of our head. Sometimes it is, but we're looking at a document. We compile things over the course of the week. Sorry, magic. I, I'm a podcaster X. What was that magician magician X that like ruined <laughs> secrets on Fox? <laughs> I remember that show. It was so good. <laughs> um, talking about uh, giving back or whatever. I don't want to say everything because i don't know if the family were kind of helping listens i don't i don't know but um i like i said wanted to find a way to work both micro and macro um joy and good in the world and a buddy of mine and a stand-up comedian named steve simone whose new album is coming out soon which is phenomenal like i listened to an early preview of it and it was so good it made me want to quit comedy like it's Amazing. He has one out already, his new one. I think it's called What's Up, Nerds. Steve Simone. It's clean, like this show. Anyway, buy that album. But anyway, he works with a charity a lot um, called Regular Heroes, and he's putting together this thing. I'll tell you the full story later, and it's sad and heartwarming and full of you know all the things that you know life is. And um, I wanted to get involved and help him out with this, with this holiday thing we're doing. So I reached out to a couple of developers, and um, some have gotten back to me. Others have not yet. But I'm still hoping they will. But I will highlight two that just filled my heart with love at a time when I needed it the most. And um, Insomniac and Respawn. And, and oh, also, we have bonus content at the end of this episode where I talk to um, Manny Hugopian, who's one of the writers of Titanfall 2. Um, 
anyway, I reached out to them and kind of explained what we're trying to do and what they came back with and what we are going to be able to do for this family over the holidays is just so incredible. So I would tell you to buy Ratchet and Clank anyway. I would tell you to buy Titanfall 2 anyway. But man, oh man, I think time and time again, this community, while it's easy to look at, um, you know, the annoying stuff, the Gamergate stuff that, that comes out of this, or the trolling, or the teabagging, or the whatever that comes out of the gaming community often, I think time and time again, we need to highlight, and I think, Jeff, we do a pretty good job on this show, but like Extra Life, Speedruns, uh, Child's Play, and now just seeing this community come together just from me, a, a single person, reaching out to some contacts I had at developers and seeing how they have rallied around this this one instance it uh I cried a lot it's amazing uh Khalif why don't you this is a good opportunity for you to talk about um what you guys are doing with the um the spawn for good oh yeah uh well we have our event coming up uh in january and we're going to be focusing on foster care this year um so that's going to be a new twist on what we do with our social activist gaming stuff um so we'll have more stuff to talk about in the next couple of oh i hope i didn't just uh, let the cat out of the bag. I thought it was. Is that not public knowledge yet? No, no, no. It's, I mean, it, it is now, Jeff. Like it is now. It's now. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's totally fine. No, it's totally fine because no, because we we're trying to figure out and make sure that it's actually good this time. <laughs> we did it. We did it last year, and we, and it was good. It was just that we want to make sure it's even better this year. But we've been having some folks um in our own crew, Sharif Jackson, who's been a guest on the show as well, mm-hmm. um, was doing some stuff for Extra Life this past weekend with the uh, button mash, uh, button button bash mash. I think that's what their their crew is called. Um, um, so yeah, we're we're always in that space and trying to make sure that we're using our words and powers for good. Um, and that's awesome to hear that the folks from Titanfall and Ratchet and Clank are doing some real cool stuff too. I'm I'm excited to hear uh, what that all transpired to be. Uh, I think it's awesome that you brought that up, Christian. But I'm going to give you a pass and let you bring up a second story of the week. Nintendo um, Switch for two fifty, you guys. What? <laughs> <laughs> two fifty or two hundred if you want the uh, smaller oh, hard drive version, I guess. And this is. Rumors, rumors, rumors. Rumors. Unconfirmed, but it seems like a lot of people are picking up on this story. But does that mean uh, it's going to be 10000 on eBay? Like, these two stories yeah. buttressed together oh, yeah. with Khalifs and the myth. Like, yeah. I think we're screwed. The, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is called good luck getting a Switch when it launches. Um, I'll trade you my, my NES Classic Mini for, for half a Switch. <laughs> half a Switch? You know what's sad is that they can't, literally can give you half a Switch. Uh, it just snaps right off. Um so here's the genesis of the story. If you're not up no, to no, date no, no, on no. it, what? Not the genesis. <laughs> <laughs> here's the Super Nintendo of this story. Uh, if Got you're it. not up to date on it, um, the UK retailer Game. Uh, it's a big chain in, in the UK that uh, handles a lot of video game stuff. They evidently leaked their wholesale price of the uh, Nintendo Switch. Uh, there's two SKUs. A 199 version that has a smaller hard drive and then a larger hard drive, uh, 250 version. So this is uh, in pounds, right, or or um, uh, euros. No, but it's pounds. It is pounds. You're right. But they say that this is going to translate. It's it's region specific, so it's it's going to be 200 bucks or 250 here as well in the in North America. So. I think that shatters everybody's expectation. I mean, we went on record on this show uh, of our predictions of what the Switch is going to cost, and we were all in the 350 range. No, I'm pretty sure I said I said exactly this. Go nah, back. <laughs> I don't know. It's too bad it's on on tape. Uh, I say not on tape. It's digital. Uh, anyway, 
Yeah, so Khalif, what do you think, man? This is like a no-brainer now, right? 200 bucks? Oh, also, sorry, sorry, before Khalif, uh, the bigger hard drive is also has a packed-in game, is the rumor. And I don't know oh, if right. it's yeah. a demo disc or what it's going to be. Zelda? No, shut up. Slap, <laughs> slap my face and call me Susan. No way. <laughs> that would that would be that would be the game changer right there, right? They threw Zelda on that hard drive. I mean, I'm already sold now. Once you give me that price point, I'm like, all right. I was on the fence. I'm like, all right, I don't know. Maybe kind of sort of I'll jump back into Nintendo, Nintendo land. Uh, but that is definitely a price point that I'm like, all right, just tell me when. I'll get online. I'll be that person up at four o'clock in the morning trying to hit the button real fast. Where everybody I don't else know, dude. I'm good. I got fast. practice. I got Nest classic practice right now. I need a bot. I'm primed and ready to go. F5, 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 F5. At 200 bucks, they are not going to be able to make enough of these. It, no. it is. If that is real, if this is actually the price, it is going to crush. I mean, it's coming out less expensive than the Wii was. It's coming out than less expensive than the than the three DS. Yeah, is mm. it, 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 like that is insane. Couple that with uh, this quote, and again, you know, take this with a grain of salt. But this is a quote from the uh, uh, from Nvidia, who is putting the chip in this thing, saying that they've been working on this technology for many years with nintendo they're excited about it and they say that this device is unlike anything that anybody's ever seen they're really proud of it and then they cover up the nvidia shield that they have sitting next to them like don't yeah, look right. at that <laughs> <laughs> nobody's ever seen it because nobody bought it nobody knew we were making it. oh man uh, <laughs> here's some tegra processes for everyone here yeah go. um I, you know even at 250 i think this thing crushes it, it really is uh, I think Nintendo realizing what made the Wii such a massive success, and that is low barrier to entry. Uh, I mean, you're certainly seeing that proof uh, proof of concept with this Nintendo Retro Console as well. Low barrier to entry. People want in, and they don't want to have to, you know, rationalize spending an arm and a leg. I, I think it has the potential, and not to be the Good Morning America console the way the Wii was, but I think if it comes in at this, you know, affordable, air quote, price point, and launches with a Zelda game, what's the last Nintendo console to do that? <laughs> it was a pretty successful one for them, right? Like, yeah. it was the same thing. It was the holdover Zelda game from the console before, but it launched, you know, right at the time the console came out. Everybody was excited for it. You could you could go out and buy it. It also had, a, I think it launched with Luigi's Mansion, the Wii. Um, or no, that was GameCube, sorry. Uh, but it launched with Zelda, and now they're thinking about launching this with a Zelda and also maybe a Mario and a under $300 price point. Like, mm, that's exciting. Yeah, we'll, we'll know more in January. But right now, it's uh, that, could be, that could be massive. That could be massive. And it, and it makes me excited. Like, yeah, you know, Nintendo doing well in this marketplace is good for gamers. And, Agreed. And I, I, yeah. <clears throat> All right, so you guys have left me a lot of really juicy stories to pick from. Um, You're the one that I, gave me two, dude. So that's on you. <laughs> no, I, no, I'm not being sarcastic. I'm, I'm, there's legit like good stories to choose from. One, one of which is uh, probably you know obviously going to be my story of the week, which is out of nowhere, this third party company through HTC has released or uh, announced and put up for pre order this week a wireless solution for the HTC Vive. Insane. Insane. Out of nowhere. Like, with no fanfare. It just sort of, like, put, was put up on this Chinese website through the Vive X. So Vive X is, is a, a thing that HTC sponsored that is a way to motivate companies to sort of innovate on that platform in a way that a lot of companies do where they incentivize uh, people to, to come up with fun accessories and stuff. 
And this company, TPCast, came up with a wireless upgrade kit for existing Vives. So all of us, like Christian and myself and a lot of other people, who have been saying, well, you know, someday when VR is wireless, it's going to be so much. Someday is now. Uh, <laughs> they evidently came up with this thing. It sold out in 18 minutes on their website. I was, uh, I was awake at 7 a.m. when it went on sale, and I was on that website twitching. I just could, I, I, literally, I could not bring myself. I, I think a Chinese website is a bridge too far for me. It's like it, it is unconfirmed that this thing works well. There are some people that have had Kobe Bryant. You're not going to trust Black Mamba. Uh, Wait, Kobe's I mean, down with us? He was the first. He was the first. <laughs> yeah, Khalif's interested now. What? He was, he was the first. Uh, they called him consumer, like the first consumer to try it publicly. And I'm like, one, Kobe ain't a consumer. Kobe is a, a mogul, but uh, right. you know, you go with yourself, HTC. But yeah, he, there's like pictures of him doing it, and there's a picture of him. <laughs> I think it's legit. Like after he took it off, and the dude has the biggest expletive eating grin on his face. Like it's it's a really cute picture of this, uh, you know, grizzled basketball player. So as much as I respect Kobe's uh, <laughs> consumer <laughs> electronics cred, uh, I mean, he was in a uh, Modern Warfare ad, so, you know, they're right there. But uh, I, there's reports that a 15 millisecond lag is what you're getting, which is really low, but I need to have some people have some hands-on with this thing before I No, I Jeff, you're pledge. the person. You're I know, the person that I want has, it. Mm-hmm. I want it. You're the one I, that does it for us. You can't who who's going to try it if it's not you? Dude, honestly, if if it was an English language website, I would have bought it. <laughs> but I clicked on it and it was a Chinese website and I was like, "I know, you know what? I I I can't." I'm it sorry. Feel, it feels insane to like click on try to click on things that are you know like have google translate get me to my buying i don't know i just i'm disappointed you could have used google translate you had it you had it in your hands you could have done it you could have did it for the people yeah i mean i think my son my son woke me up at the appropriate hour specifically for that reason and i didn't do it i'm very curious to see how this thing uh does another reason that i kind of tipped me over to not doing it is they said they are also going to have two versions and one of them is going to have a longer battery, and that one is not available for pre-order yet. Yeah, but the battery's so, in your pocket is where that one goes, right? Yeah. And this one is, like, just on the unit. Yeah. Mm. Well, like, people are saying that it actually makes the Vive more comfortable because the battery's in the back, and so it sort of counterbalances the headset better. I guess we'll never know, Jeff. I guess we <laughs> yeah! and I are just... Uh... <laughs> that, is, that is literally the worst thing that has happened this week. <laughs> I mean, I, don't... I was worried about that though. How heavy, heavy. <laughs> <laughs> that yell was amazing. The, the headset is is fairly heavy at some point if you just keep it on too long. And I was worried about you know if it's going to be added weight and if it's going to yeah. be something that's going to maybe mess up any of the kind of sensors that's on there. But it seems like you know if Kobe said it's all right, <laughs> Kobe said it's all right. Passing the ball, he, he put up to... like sixty one in his final game. Yeah, like, and Kobe, not... I trust. You know, I, he made a good rap album. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the other thing is, like, no, you know, the people that have tried this try this for minutes, right? I want to know how it plays for hours. Like, is this thing going to heat up and burn the back of my skull? I don't <laughs> when know. When is the last time a piece of technology with a battery in it had fire problems, Jeff? Right. I don't think. Oh yeah, but this is Chinese. It's not Korean, so you're you're safe. Okay. I, well, I, wonder, I wonder if this tech is actually going to get pushed out to other VR platforms, though. Well, they that say that cool. it's they say that it's modular and it really could work on any headset. It's not specific to the Vive, right? It, it nothing in it needs 
the Vive in particular to work. So yeah, you can work it with Oculus or whatever. You order it for PSVR and it's like the instructions are like, okay, first cut the cord of your PSVR (laughs) and then you cut it and the next page is like, ha ha sucker. Now order an HTC and you're like, son of a gun. I don't know, man. I really, uh, I, I think this could be a, a real, um, oh, real man. game changer. Great tape, fifty one in the chat. Guess I need to find a new podcast for the latest hands on in VR. No. <laughs> 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 uh, <laughs> hey, I'll um, trade you. I'll trade you my Nest Mini if you go out and buy this thing. Really? <laughs> uh, maybe I can't either. buy it now, Christian. It's sold out in eighteen minutes. Too so, little, too so late. So is the Nest Mini. <laughs> yeah. Um. In other news, the uh, <laughs> that that Telltale game that we all heard about that they were going to do uh, back in 2015 when they were like, hey, we got a, a Marvel game and we're keeping it. We're not going to tell you which Marvel property it is. Uh, it's Guardians of the Galaxy. So uh, that leaked this week because of the SAG-AFTRA strike. There was a list of games that need to renegotiate their contracts. And on it was uh, Codename Blue Steel or whatever it was called. Um Blue Harvest, uh, I guess a reference to the uh, Star Wars family guy, uh, which, and then it said Dash Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> so good job on the code naming, guys. Um, what do you guys think? I, I think we all, I mean, back then on this show, we speculated what would be the cool Marvel Telltale game? What, what Marvel property would you like to see as a Telltale game? Um, I, I think we may have brought up Guardians of the Galaxy, but for me, it this seems a, a little more obvious than i was hoping for i was hoping it would be a little obscure maybe i think i said the runaways would be a cool thing or you know something power pack or something wild Uh, this seems pretty obvious there's new guardians of the galaxy movie coming out they want to capitalize on that a little underwhelming for me but uh khalif do you think this is a a cool property to to be a telltale style game yeah i mean anything that has a really large ensemble cast i think works really well in the telltale system um, you know, they already have a bunch of folks who are great uh, voice actors who can bring those characters to life. I want Dave Bautista to really be his character in Marvel of the Galaxy. I want him to actually do the voice for it. Um, the best but- thing I saw this morning was uh, a friend of the show, Ozzy Mejia, uh, <laughs> tweeted out a sample dialogue choice. Uh, press X for I am Groot. Press Y for I am Groot. Press A for I am Groot. <laughs> <laughs> that would be amazing. but you know what that would be awesome you know like it, it would be the crazy really fun inside joke that's not an inside joke but right. yeah i mean it's a great property to kind of poke at um because a lot of there's a lot of avenues to go down imagine if you had a rocket raccoon single single episode or something like that you can break those out into smaller chunks and, and do individual pieces and i can see that being um really fun uh if they if they get it right and it doesn't seem like there's a lot of room to get it wrong so uh that would be cool i'm down to, i'm down to play that Christian, you've been a little off of Telltale recently. What is your what are your feelings? Well, I think fans of the Tales of the Borderland Telltale game will think that this is perfect for them, right? They've shown that they can knock humor out of the park, and it doesn't all need to be the Walking Dead style um, moral choices. And I don't think I'll get in trouble for saying this, but I'm excited for people to play the episode I wrote, which I think will be. Um, a lot. No, I'm just kidding. How funny would that be if I just dropped it like that? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna just keep putting it out into the world until they actually ask me to write one. Um, so I, I think they can nail this. I think I don't know if either of you are reading the current Black Panther comic, but when I started reading that, I was really hopeful that that's what it would be because that is more of the every decision that is made in that comic so far is one just like covered with 
agony. Shades of gray. Yeah, yeah mm. it's just like no one, no one in Wakanda is can cut a break right now. Like, I'm not current. Like I think maybe I'm two issues behind, but like, woof. <laughs> <laughs> They've been put through their paces with like internal strife and struggle and rebellion and everything going wrong when it should be going right. So I was hoping that it could maybe be that, but you know they're going dark with Batman, and I could see them going back to humor with something like Guardian. So I I hope I hope they continue to tweak that new engine and the animation gets a little more fluid and the dialogue comes a little <laughs> snappier. But I I think it's going to be a I think it's a good property for them. Cool. All right. Well, also let's, episode uh, three, you guys. I can't wait till everybody plays. The one you wrote. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just yeah, make it happen, man. The secret. All right. Um, uh, let's move on now. Uh, but first, I do want to thank our sponsor, Casper. Um, I've had a hard time sleeping this week. I don't know about you guys, but uh, it's always nicer to sleep on something comfortable. It's going to be even harder to sleep if you if you have an old mattress, if you have something you've had for several years. Man, I was so stupid. I had the same mattress through college and into my post-college years. I didn't realize that you need to replace your mattress. And I would wake up with aches and pains and not understand why. And then I got a new mattress and, oh my goodness, it changes everything. You sleep better, you wake up more refreshed, and your body doesn't hurt. And Casper mattresses allow you to upgrade your mattress, to replace an old mattress, and do it without breaking your wallet breaking your bank, and these are very high-quality mattresses. These are premium, uh, well-built, comfortable, and they're they're developed in-house. Uh, they have a sleek design. There's an um, uh, easy way to order them. You get online. You order it on their website at casper.com slash DLC. Is that a Chinese you, website, or what are we talking about? No, no. It's, uh, it's in whatever language you need it to be. <laughs> uh, it is... Um, it, it arrives at your house in a cool, compact package, and it has, like, easy-to-unfold instructions. And uh, within minutes, you can have this thing in your house ready to sleep on. And the best part is you have 100 nights to make sure you like it. No longer do you have to go to a store or a big warehouse and lay down on a mattress for two minutes and go, I think this is going to be good, and then take it home and three nights later go, oh, I didn't really like this after all, and I spent thousands of dollars on it. No, Casper changes all that. They give you 100 nights to make up your mind. If you should decide that Casper mattress is not for you in any part of that 100-night trial period, just let them know. They come, they pick it up, you don't have to worry about anything, and they give you your money back. It's pretty amazing. And these mattresses are well below industry standard prices. This is mattress because they've cut out the warehouse. They've cut out the middleman. Casper mattresses cost 500 bucks for a twin, 600 for a twin XL, 750 for a full, 950 for a king. I mean, this is all under $1,000. You're not going to find that at a big warehouse store. It's convenient, it's easy, and they're comfortable. Plus, because you listen to this show, we're going to hook you up, get $50 off any of your mattresses, by going to casper.com slash DLC and then use the promo code DLC at checkout. You'll save 50 bucks, you'll upgrade your sleep, and you'll let them know you listen to our show, which helps us out. Casper.com slash DLC. Use that promo code DLC. I've heard that uh, the Office of the Presidency is going to start offering that same 100-night guarantee. <laughs> well, we can only hope. We can only hope. <laughs> <laughs> Black Mamba preferred. <laughs> Here we go. 
Some big releases coming out, uh, as usual, this time of year. Uh, we're going to be talking about Watch Dogs 2 next week, but the big release this week was Dishonored 2. All three of us have been playing it. Khalif, let's start with you. Uh, what's your? Did you like Dishonored 1? Uh, were you a fan of that game? Did you play it? I loved the gameplay in the first game and hated the ending. It made me so mad. Maybe well, there's so several mad. different endings. The, I think I supposedly got the good ending. I guess oh, not. Not if one? you hated it. <laughs> I hated it, though. I, I, it's funny because I don't remember if I went back on YouTube to go look at the other endings to see if I got the, the proper you know, good or proper bad ending. But I, the, one, the one ending I got, I didn't like it. It was poop. Um, this game uh, feels a lot like the last game in a lot of just the stealthy parts of you kind of crawling your way and jumping away and, and, and getting on rooftops and doing all that cool stuff, which makes you feel super badass and, and fun. Um, I'm a big UI nerd. Uh, <laughs> so like, I love the way that they've laid the menus out and kind of made it, uh, this painterly style, um, a motif, which I think is really cool. Uh, yeah, they broke that rule that says you're not allowed to use multiple fonts. Yeah. They're like, screw it, we're using all the fonts. Yeah, I was like, this is dope. I love, like, I'm a big font nerd, so I'm like, ooh, they use really cool fonts. <laughs> it's, it's it's weird. Yeah, um, that's the sum total of our review, guys. Good fonts. All right, yeah. moving on. No, I'm work. just kidding. <laughs> serifs all day, serifs. <laughs> um, but it feels really good. Like, I'm, I'm getting back into the groove of, of kind of understanding how I can mess around with uh, the mechanics, um, the, the interesting... Uh, Kind of one mechanic I love is the the fact that when you go into to Karnaka, uh, which is the main city that you first kind of start into, uh, there are these flies, these blood flies that are there. So it's like you go into the into the, the landscape and uh, these these one these parasites just kind of just show up whenever you kill something. And just getting to kind of step aside and move back once somebody has died, either from you know the, the the world killing them or you just randomly doing something pretty cool. These things will just come out and they'll just show up. And then everything, everyone has to like react to them and they do whatever they want and then you can just lay back and it's great. You can like figure out stuff and move around them and, and, and talk to people. The story uh, so far is, is pretty chill. I think they add a lot of um, little tidbits here and there in places that uh, do the kind of bad cardinal rule of, of giving you lore in places that you don't necessarily need to, to go search for them. Uh, it's kind of that uh, halo you know, go to the go to the places and and go to these monasteries or not monasteries, the, the little um, obelisks and look up uh, parts of the game. Uh, so they're doing a little bit of that. That's extra story. So it's hard to determine if that's like stuff that you need to know or stuff that's just additive to 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 the story itself. So so far, it feels it feels good. They they figured out how to make everything work the way they did the last game, which they didn't really have to make a lot of changes to. So I'm having fun with it so far. My hope is that yeah, the story itself seems pretty simple. In terms of like the story you're presented with in those cool um, animated co- motion comic kind of cutscenes, and then told throughout the game. So my hope is that story remains kind of straightforward, but mm-hmm. the world gets filled out with all this other stuff where you're like, right. oh, there's this cool thing going on, whatever, whatever. But right. if it ends up the opposite, like the world of destiny is so awesome and I have never read about it. Right. <laughs> right. Just like not going to happen. Who are you? Uh, who are you playing as? Uh, I'm playing as the female protagonist. I forget her name again. Emily, right? Emily. Emily. Yeah. yeah she, she's awesome. I, I've always wanted to, once I saw the first cutscene or the first, uh, uh, full motion, uh, not full motion. Geez. The CGI one that they did uh, back at E3. I was like, Ooh, 
that's the person I want to play. As. I don't <laughs> want to play as Corvo yet. Like I think Corvo is probably cool, but she seems like she has like a couple of tricks up her sleeve that that are more interesting to kind of check out. Well, she's new yeah, and I'm sexy, as... like not sexy, like a you know what I mean, like exciting, yeah. exciting. Yeah. You haven't played with her before. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, that's I'm playing as her too. It's like, oh, I you know I did a whole game as Corvo. Let's try something new. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you guys uh, find it weird? Sorry, Jeff. This is the last time I. I'm sorry. Do you guys no, find it ahead. weird that she refers to her dad as Corvo? Is there a story? Maybe there's a spoiler later in the game. But she's like, Corvo taught me that, and I'm like, you mean your dad? It's your dad. <laughs> like if my daughters were like, and Christian taught me that, I'd be like, I'm right here. I'm your yeah. dad. Yeah, yeah. I'm, yeah. Call me was, dad or father. That was a rule in my house. I couldn't call my grandma who raised me by her real name. She got mad. At me. Right? It's weird. <laughs> Yeah. But I guess your grandma wasn't teaching you how to silently kill people from across a rooftop. So maybe only, like... only with my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, Christian, uh, what, are you, what are you thinking about the old Dishonored 2? So I really enjoyed Dishonored 1. I never finished it. I never got to the any ending. I, I don't remember exactly why. I think it was just kind of other games came out and it kind of you know fell off as I'm, I'm one to do with games. And so, not to bury the lead, this game is not clicking for me. Something about it, for me playing right now, is not clicking. And I think I can have... A couple of justifications I have for that, I think, are that I really enjoyed Battlefield 1, Titanfall 2, Call of Duty Infinite Warfare. So my headspace was just not in this style of game right now. Like, I came off of these three really, really well-made, bombastic, tight focus single player campaigns and Dishonored 2 is like you better go slow dude oh you died you're going uh, too fast slow down the world is huge go explore and I'm like yeah 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 but like zero gravity where are the robots let's go kill some stuff <laughs> and so it's cha- it, it, my mind wasn't in that change of uh hasn't made that shift yet and then also um I think it's unfortunate but I can't deny the reality on which I'm living Rainbow Six Siege I had a hard time playing when it came out because of the realities of the world and this might not be true for everyone or anyone else, but for me, I'm having a little bit of a hard time getting behind a narrative of a regime that has gone um, a certain direction too far in hopes of protecting its citizens. And that's just my personal beliefs and, and my issues and the baggage that I have, neither right nor wrong, but I'm having a hard time being emotionally invested in this story. All of that being said, I think there is a lot to like in this game. If you are a fan of the first game, I think you're going to love this game. Um, I think it's incredible what they did going into an entirely new engine. The engine is 99% of the time beautiful. The mayhem that unfolds. Like, I am just going, you know, guns to the wall. Like, I have a shrapnel mine laid out that, like, just slays four people. I teleport across the room, pull out my uh, uh, crossbow, take out another guy, switch over to a grenade launch a regular grenade then switch over and teleport back and take out my folding sword and just cut someone in half i mean insane but there aren't enough of those moments for me that keep me compelled to keep playing i just want to go back and and play more uh, titanfall jeff what about you yeah you know i i loved uh dishonored and for some reason i'm on the same page with you i this is game is not clicking for me and i've been really trying to figure out why that is uh as you said i think the uh i think the the game looks great i love the design of the world this particular fictional place is so fascinating and they've really blown it out this time and created a much more vibrant interesting deeper world i think with much more so many much more, more populated than yeah. one. 
and more nooks and crannies. And the really cool thing, where you, you get that heart right at the beginning of the game, which is an accessory that you can you can select at any time. And you can squeeze the heart around people, and it'll tell you their innermost thoughts. <laughs> yeah. And that's a really interesting way to flesh out and kind of create backstory for what are just, you know, basically cannon fodder. You know, like every guard has a thought. Every Literally cannon person. fodder the way I'm playing, guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, you, I think that's an interesting thing to bring up because I... I think this game encourages, or for the way I'm playing it, I cannot get myself to just mow people down. And yeah. one of the things that I really uh, raved about with regard to Dishonored 1 is that for someone like me that doesn't necessarily love stealth games all the time, Dishonored 1 always gave me tools when the S hits the F, you know, when, when things go wrong in my inevitably for me uh when things go wrong with a stealth thing there were ways to get out of there there were ways to uh reset there were ways to uh, either kill or uh hide myself it it really wasn't like okay game over try that again which That's is what I think, metal gear 5 did so excellently i think also mm-hmm. yeah for some reason i am not finding that to be the case with dishonored 2 now it's probably along the ca- along the lines of, of try sucking less, and that's I totally can cop to that. That I'm I may be playing it in a very clumsy way, and I do think that the the systems in the game, the mechanics of the game, are extraordinary. There are so many interesting ways to deal with problems, whether it's blocking and then timing your block perfectly correct so that you then can stun the enemy and and grab them. There are uh, new sliding mechanics you can take dudes down. There, all these cool ways that are in the game uh, that I think are are interesting, and perhaps if I was just more skilled, I wouldn't be finding this problem. But I find myself in a situation, and again, I'm a guy <laughs> that is on record raving about console games that allow me to save anywhere. And this game allows me to save anywhere. I was like, yes, a stealth game allows me to save anywhere. I can take two steps and quick save. And it even allows me to, like, just pause the game, push a trigger, and quick save. That is so brilliant. Thank you. Thank you. What are you playing on? PS4. PS4. Pro. Okay. Well, both, actually. I had it before I got my Pro, so I played it on both. Okay, cool. Um, so the bad news about saving anywhere is that this game, at least on PS4, has deathly long load times. Like, excruciatingly oh, yeah. long load that times. That is true. For me, it's they're not Bloodborne pre-patch long, where it's like, I'm going to put this game away and not play it till they patch it. But uh-huh. it's, I'll get my phone out, check Twitter, and forget what I'm doing long. Somewhere, it's like yes. long enough to be super annoying and not long enough to make me say... I'm not going to play it till they fix it. <laughs> and then it's like, you've loaded now, press the button. Right. <laughs> you've loaded now, press the button. I hate that because I'm looking down it's at so Twitter bad. and I look up and realize, oh my God, how long have I been sitting here when I could have gone back to play? Uh-huh. It's, it's, I mean, it's the first world problems, right? But, but, th- th- but these it's are extra issues. frustrating for a game that is meant to reward multiple playthroughs, exploration, mm. um, experimentation. And any time it made, that's what made me go just kill everyone. Cause you kind of told me yes. that. I was like, well, I'll see. And then I was like, okay. Game on, jerks. <laughs> and and it's not it's not just that I'm saving and loading a lot. I am saving and loading a lot. If I do something, if I tick off everyone and they all come and form this semicircle around me to fight me, I'm like, I just don't even deal with this load. So I am doing that. And that's on me. I get it. That's on me. I could probably 
figure out ways to deal with that. that but I just am like, it's tedious. But also, this is not an open world game. This is a game where you walk into a place and it loads that place. And you click on a menu item and it says, "Do you are you sure you want to leave this place? Go to another place? Yes. Okay, we're going to load that place now. It, it feels clunky. All of that, those long load times, all of that stuff just kind of hurts the overall feel of the game. Mm-hmm. And I think that contributes to it a lot. Uh, I also have a gripe that may be, again, on me, not on the game perhaps, but there are a ton of little cool things to collect. Things that have actual meaning in your progress. Things that upgrades that can help you right now. Runes and bone charms that are scattered throughout the world. And I love that stuff. I love the... I'm going to spend an hour and just go collect as many runes as I can because I want to. I, I want. There's a carrot at the end of that stick. I want a new power. So if I just get four runes, I'll be able to upgrade that power. Well, here's the problem with that for me. I pull out my heart, and my screen is littered with icons, and they're all two feet from you, but you can't get to any of them. <laughs> it's right? so unclear nope. as to where the hell is it above me? Is right. it below me? Right. I don't know. I, it's so frustrating to me that I would spend <laughs> 20 minutes getting to a thing because it was only 15 meters away, and I'm standing uh, I'm standing on top of it. And the it's gate like, is well, locked. Not, you need to get here. I think there was one that I found, and I was like, wait, do I have to transform into an animal to get this one? Like, is can I actually go and get this? And nope, I couldn't get it. It was yeah. like behind a wall through another door. I went, to, I went to this one part where I was trying to get to one. Uh, one rune and went into this other spot that was like not not allowable to be going into you could, like jumped through a window and got to this other part and there's all these blood flies around me and it still wasn't there even when i got there and it was like two feet yeah it was, like, two, like two meters away i was like no, and, and it's not just those dude i there, there is there are sequences in the game where the actual progress indicator icon where it's like go here and investigate that room I went to the room and i walked around that stupid room for a, a literally a half an hour before i realized <laughs> oh, I have to touch, there's like a thing in the corner that you have to touch that tells you the rest of the story. But the game has a bunch of things that you can touch for no reason. There's like, (laughs) turn on the Bunsen burner. No reason for that. Oh my God, that is the worst part of this game right now. spin this globe. Yeah, spin the globe. Oh my God. So I'm wandering around and I don't think the progress that I need to do is to do any of that crap. So I ignore it, looking for some way to trigger the game to continue and it was one of those stupid things that just, in this particular case, wasn't a stupid thing. It was a vital thing. So <laughs> Right now I want to play that. So you had a bad day, or whatever that song is for you. Jim. I will uh, say, though, in that regard, I love the fact that the health that you pick up, not like the vials that give you like insta-health, but you're not taking through garbage cans. Apparently this world is littered with like delicious fruit and cooked on plates. meats on plates, yeah. which is yeah. nice. Like not the nice. spinning globe typewriter bull crap. Like I don't know why that's there, but it, like the food, it's places where it should be. It's real food. It's not like, oh, I found this candy bar in a trash can under a pig's head. Now I have 10 health. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So th- these little frustrations, while they are all little straws, there's one, there's just, they just pile up and they break the camel's back. You know, they, for me, I got to a point where, <laughs> here's what happened. And I was only like three or four missions in. But at one point, I, I booted up the game. And I was like, I'm just, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just going to tell myself to murder people and not care. Like, not try to be all stealthy, even though the game really makes you feel like a bad person for murdering people. And 
you know, you're like, literally so. d- disrupting the you, more chaos. I'm like, I don't want to make chaos. There's enough chaos in the world. I don't need to make chaos. <laughs> um, so I was like, just tell myself, just let it be fine. I'm just going to murder everybody. So I, you guys probably remember this mission, tiny, tiny spoiler, but it's going to be non-specific. There's a mission where you go to the black market and the lady's like, uh, there's a bad dude coming. Uh, you better hide. And I was like, uh, okay. I'll hide, and I hid, and the bad dude and his two thugs stroll into the black market, and I was like, I upgraded my Linky Link spell. I'm so <laughs> excited about my Linky Link spell. I upgraded it to be able to get three people, so I Linky Linked all three guys together. I walked up behind one, and I stabbed him in the back, killing all three. Guess what happened? The main guy turns into a, a, a magic rat swarm and murders me instantly. Oh, and then what? I was just like, you know what? Screw you, game. I'm done. Do you I don't want to play you anymore. Happened to me. They warned me about that, and then I, in my head, I went over to Apple Music and I found "Let the Bodies Hit the Floor," and I played <laughs> that. And they walked in, and I sat there with a smile on my face and a gun in my hand. And before they said anything, I went click, click, boom. No transformation. The the person behind me is like, dude, he's transforming. And I was like, no, he's not, dude. And they were just laid to waste. And I walked out of there, and I was whistling. And then I threw a match behind my head, and it blew up. And I didn't even turn around to look. You know what I'm saying? I wrecked those fools. <laughs> I don't know, man. I wanted to, I wanted to love this game. I loved the first one. I think that, as you said, Christian, and as you said, Khalif, there's there are lots of things to like about this game. It's beautiful. It's got cool mechanics. And if I could, if it just sort of like found a groove with me, I think I would have have gotten into that groove. But I could not find the groove. And there are so many other games that I want to be playing yeah. that I just couldn't justify spending more time with it. How deep are you, Khalif? How far are you in the game? I'm super early. I just went from the first town to the second town, so okay. I'm 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 literally in the the, the second part of that. Someone so, on Twitter told me that I guess chapter I I finished chapter four um, or world four level four, however they big chunk four I'll call it mm-hmm. before I decided like I I just I can't anymore. But someone on Twitter reached out and said that level seven chapter seven whatever does the thing I love in Titanfall 2 so much and does it better. And I was like, you jerk. <laughs> like, oh, <laughs> why are you yeah. telling me this after I said I'm done? I have three more levels to get there. But, um, I mean, it's getting great reviews. People are loving it. I, I do feel well, like, you know, I think our criticisms of the game are fair, Jeff, but I do think to some extent it's on us, right? I know, I, and I tried to make that clear over and over as I was expressing my mm-hmm. opinion too. And, you know, I, I knew that you and I, because we talked, I knew you and I weren't, were, tepid on the game uh and i'm glad cleef likes it but i wanted to make sure that there was another voice we got an email to dlcfeedback at gmail.com this comes from tim z uh right here in southern california tim z writes uh i've been listening to dlc since the first episode but never have i felt the need to write in until playing dishonored 2 i loved the first game and the sequel improves on what i loved in every single way the world building the environmental storytelling the art design all of it is taken to the next level, especially in the increased variety of lethal, non-lethal, stealthy, or not options. My favorite part of the game is going back and forth between lethal and non-lethal gameplay. The average, most likely poorly paid guard or soldier, though they may be a traitor or enemy, is just following orders. Or they are afraid for their safety of their family if they didn't go along with the coup. Or they have some more legitimate reason for their betrayal. These lower level peons aren't worth blood on my hands. They're ignored or neutralized non-lethally. On the other hand, the higher-ups each have their reasons for betrayal 
uh, or for the acts of evil they've committed. And through the story, dialogue, notes, I find this out. These motivations are revealed uh, and paint a specific picture of whether or not they deserve to die for their sins at my hands. Each on a case-by-case basis as I put the puzzle together and make my ultimate decision lethal or non-lethal. The gameplay is so fun and engaging, but it is, it is the game within the game that makes Dishonored 2 one of my favorite games ever. Just wanted to share why I'm loving this game. Love the show, Tim Z. Uh, thanks, Tim. I'm really glad to have that perspective. And I said, as I said, I love that heart mechanic where you can hear people, and I love the fact that you have found the groove, and you are invested in this world and these people, and, and can role-play like that. It just didn't work for me. Mm. So, you know... That's Dishonored 2, I guess. <laughs> so, so can you talk about Titanfall 2? Are you loving it as much as Jeff and I love Titanfall 2? I just finished the campaign the other night. It is so good. It's so good. They hit all the right notes. I actually cared about my, my, my robot friend. I didn't oh, think BT. I was going to. What a big, beautiful brute, right? I, I didn't think I was going to care about him as much as I did. And I think they just played that. They paced that out really well. You know, you felt you felt super powerful both in and out of your mech, and it, it just, I, I did, the one thing that didn't make me laugh a lot was his little animation before he threw you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he, he <laughs> calls like, a shot. He's like throw. He's like he's like thumbs up throw. <laughs> that made me laugh a lot because they kept doing it. I was like, please give him another animation for that. Um, but I think I think it was really really well done. It's it. This has been a good year for uh, first person shooter campaigns. I think it's one been of the best. Lot. Yeah, it's this is one yeah. of the best. Yeah, and the multiplayer is is just top notch again. It's been it's been interesting to play that and then go to to play Call of Call of Duty and uh, not be as excited uh kind of getting into the groove on that. Uh so I'm trying to like go back to that game cuz I played the first couple missions in, in Call of Duty and I was like no, I can't do it. Like this is not this is not clicking with me. Hmm. Um it just doesn't feel it doesn't feel good in comparison to having come off Titanfall uh in Battlefield in that same way. So uh it's a good game you should definitely be buying that and playing that cuz if you haven't uh checked out a really good campaign in a while, this is one for it. I think it's super cheap now too and again I talked to one of the writers uh at the end of this episode at bonus content, but I think it's like 25 bucks something like that for like Black Friday deals. Mm-hmm. Um it's an easy recommend. How deep are you in the multiplayer? Is that a scene that you're uh, proficient in? I played, I think I have an hour of it on my YouTube. It's like the last thing I streamed. And I had tons of fun, but mm-hmm. I mean, I was playing Bounty Hunt, and there were times I was banking zero. <laughs> you know what the funny thing is? I'm, I'm learning now because my teammates have told me how bad I play. Um, <laughs> I'm learning now that what you have to do to bank money in that mode, I think I'm like level 43 on, on my character currently. Dang. But it's like... Um, you have to make sure that when they're doing the kind of drop ship uh, with all the grunts that drop in, you have to be collecting those. Huh. It's not about killing other pilots and not killing other mechs. It's about uh, the other Titans. It's about getting those first, banking that money off the beginning. And then, you know, I know people are going to be mad, but camping the banks. You got to oh. camp those banks. Oh, I know. <laughs> you got to camp those banks and so you can kind of stop the other team from doing any work. Uh, but. I've been playing uh, playing a lot of that uh, the multiplayer, which is a thing that I haven't really gotten into in a while. Um, I think my my carpal tunnel is like, "What's up, homie?" Uh, <laughs> it's, it's You're like, never getting a Nintendo Switch. Then you've just admitted defeat at your F five skills. No, I told you I'm going to do it when they give me the little power glove or the po- <laughs> or the power pad. If they give me a really small power pad, <laughs> oh, you, you'll grow. get the classic. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I can do that move. Um, but it 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 has gotten me back into the space of feeling like I am competent in those spaces call of duty i can't i can't play that anymore 
Like I've literally had to give up because I'm just not fast enough to to, to play other people who are younger than I am. But the, uh, I'm sorry about to say Dishonored multiplayer, <laughs> Titanfall multiplayer definitely has like a really good move, a uh, different groove in 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 the way that you play it and the pace of it. So you can be really good on the pilot side and also on the Titan side, and then you can kind of just like decide what you really want to do with your team. You know, you can be a defender, you can be a person who's super aggressive, you can kind of lock down an area uh, and do a lot of different things. So it's a lot of a lot of diversity in that game. It's a lot of fun. I want to talk a little bit about the PlayStation 4 Pro. I mentioned that I got it this week, and uh, we talked a little bit about it last week with Jeff Gerstmann. Um, but I, I did, I did get it. Uh, was so excited, Un- unwrapped it. I decided I was going to transfer all my stuff over from the old PS4, which they make really, really easy to do. Uh, you just, you know, hook your system up to the same wireless network or wired network, however you you need to. Me, I'm wired all the way for my consoles, and uh, and the game and the consoles kind of take care of the rest. I was like, oh, this is going to be great. Um, I'm just going to transfer my games over. And I'll be PS4 Proing. Uh, the transfer took nine hours. <laughs> well, how long does it take to work your way up from double A to the pros, Jeff? I mean, nine hours seems like a really quick way to go pro from amateur. Yeah, I guess. Mm. I guess I shouldn't. I should count my blessings. That was the. That was a bit of a bummer. Uh, I did not anticipate that. I've been told that there was a whole Reddit thread about faster ways to do it, and I guess PS4 Pro has much improved download speed. So the redditors have discovered that it's actually more efficient time wise to delete all the games that you have on your hard drive on your PS4 and re-download them on PS4 Pro it'll take less time. Unfortunately, I found that out after I was like an hour into the process and there's no way to cancel. <laughs> so you're just like, well, we're in for this. But here we go. Um so eh, that was a bit of a bummer, but again, a one-time thing and you never have to deal with that again. Uh and as I said, they make it very easy to do it, which I I really appreciate. It's not a bunch of hoops you have to jump through. Uh, as far as the performance of the PS4 Pro, um, I was complaining about load times with uh, Dishonored 2. They are improved. It's not enough to actually completely mitigate that complaint, but I did notice that they are faster on PS4 Pro than they were on PS4, so that's something. And I anticipate that'll probably be the case with most games, and they'll probably load a little faster. Um, I have a 4K television. The games, I tested uh, pretty much everything that I had uh, that has an upgrade. Uh, Ratchet and Clank, Uncharted 4, they all just look stunning. They already look stunning, right? Those games are gorgeous on a 1080p television, no doubt. Uncharted 4 is jaw-dropping in 4K. Is oh, it? Jeff, is it wait, but listen. You're killing is it, me. <laughs> is it so jaw-dropping? Like... It's the game's already stunning, right? It's like a plus two to jaw dropping. Please say you know not I mean? worth it. Please say not worth it. Please say not worth it. Oh. Here's where I think it, it makes made the biggest difference for oh, me. No. PSVR. Oh, son of a Oh man. no. It is a it is a massive upgrade for PSVR in my opinion. Oh, oh Jeff. man. Dang it. <laughs> <laughs> breaking some hearts today oh my heart my wallet my marriage Sweet it, it is uh <laughs> yeah i mean it's a it's a palpable improvement uh in how crisp the image looks how smooth the image moves uh i i picked out uh, the game that i find to be one of the ugliest in uh psvr so far which is uh rush of blood the until dawn game i think that game 
is really kind of a cool game, uh, but it's kind of ugly when you first boot it up. It looks a lot better. I mean, a lot better in PSVR. Oh, man. Uh, Thumper uh, is is at a resolution that's just sick. Like, there's no... It's what you want VR to be. There's you don't see. Well, wait, the resolution. Your screen is limited, though, right? But like super sampling, dude. They super the, the games that can super sample. They do it. Like is that Thumper, a radioactive which, spider or is that gamma? So rays? super sampling. What what that is is a it's a very big part of the VR scene right now, and that is where the game actually renders at a much higher resolution than the headset can display, and then down samples when it when it projects it onto the screen. Huh. So what you're getting, it renders it at such a high resolution that it smooths the edges out when it's displayed on a lower resolution. I don't know why. I don't know how that works, but it is palpable. It, you can do it on Vive now, and, and I, I think there's a couple of Oculus games that let you do it, but the Vive, there's been a hack for months that the community found where you could literally just hack the any file of, of, of the Vive software and you know, manually change your, uh, your, your super sampling rate. And it is murder on your system. It requires a really beefy computer to be able to push it up. Even just a, you, it's like dot percentage uh, of super sampling, right? You like go from 1.5 to 1.7 and it's like this massive hit on your system, but it, it makes a dramatic impression, a dramatic improvement. Uh, I'm telling you. And PS4 Pro is doing some of that on these on these games that are able to do it. Uh, PlayStation Worlds and the um, you know the the demo disc where you have all the different uh, the platforming games and stuff. I mean, it's just it's a huge improvement. It really, really is. Um, so, may I ask a question? Yeah. So I had heard um, from my you know I I read about things on the internet so that I don't buy them. And I'm like, well, this will satisfy the itch. Um, <laughs> uh, I've heard that the biggest complaint though for VR or non VR is that you don't kind of know if it's doing anything. Like you don't. Yeah. Games don't get like maybe a game gives you an option, but another game just is like it's better, and you're like, is it? <laughs> yeah. No. No. You're absolutely right. I I went from playing Dishonored 2 on PS4 to playing Dishonored 2 on PS4 Pro. And other than the load times, I, I was I could not tell a difference. And I was really excited. I was like, oh, Dishonored 2, hmm, it looks exactly the same. And I was playing it minutes, well, not minutes, nine hours. <laughs> I was playing it, nine, it was a nine-hour difference. But it was like as close to back-to-back as I could get it. Um, <laughs> uh, Literally but, seconds after, nine hours and seconds after. A and, time and that's zone kinda, away. Yeah. And that's kind of <laughs> what I'm talking about, uh, where I know in my head that Uncharted 4 looks better. It, it is – it's stunning. Uncharted 4 is stunning on a 4K television on PS4 Pro. But we all know that the game was already stunning. You know, yeah. like it's not I, – I, I find it hard to recommend just from a – I have a 4K television standpoint – I'm really excited because I got a bigger hard drive. I mean, I had the launch PS4, right? So I got a bigger hard drive. I got faster load times. I think the games that are coming down the pipeline are probably going to take advantage of it more than the games that were patched to yeah, take I'll advantage of it. I'll be playing Horizon Zero Dawn at your house. I'll be like, yeah, yeah. I'll babysit your kid for an hour, and now just get out. <laughs> get out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, do, but, you think, do you think it's making any real differences for the folks who are not on the 4K train yet? Besides the low time stuff, because I'm in that boat. I'm looking. I'm on the GameStop website right now. Yeah, I have a 480p CRT. Is that going to help me or not? Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Like, I don't. That's not my test condition, right? I don't yeah. have a non 4K television. I I was 
Well, what is that? I mean, does that no, sound just funny. stupid? No, 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 it's great. It's like, I don't know. I don't, I don't waste my time with non-4K television. <laughs> no, that's not what I mean at all. Uh, I, I will say this. Uh, it, I think the games are going to be better going forward. I don't know if it's... I don't. I wouldn't classify it as a must buy, mm-hmm. but it is. Um, I'm glad. I, I'm glad I got it. I really am. I think it's. Uh, what was the question exactly? What oh, on a 1080p television? Yeah. Do you oh, think, I here's mean, what I was gonna say. Go ahead, I, I wish. I as you said, Christian. I kind of wish there were more games where you would go into the options and click it on or click it off or or click or select like I want a higher frame rate or I want to you know. I wish it gave you some sort of sense of what you were getting out of the out of the deal because it's it's a little easy ratchet and clank was one where the game just decides that you're on ps4 pro so it and it decides whether you're on a 4k tv or not so it it does everything for you and the game looked great i mean amazing but it always looked amazing yeah and it's that thing we talk about a lot where it's like your your memory betrays you and it says well this game always looked awesome so it, mm. it always looked like this you know oh man that psvr bit oh man it, oh, it, it makes a big difference. It really does. I've, I mean, I, I reloaded Batman up. I reloaded. Um, I mean, every all the games that I had. I was like, it this it looks way better. Is, it really um, does. Uh, Robinson, Rob, Rob, uh, what is it? Robinson, Journey? The Journey. Is that out? It is. I have it. I'll be talking about it next week. I okay. didn't get a chance to play it much, but uh, I've be heard that next. that game looks like that's one that I've seen like people trying to do screenshots, which is hard to do. That's the other problem with this, right? And I think we talked about this with Gertzman too, where it's like. I can't look at this on my phone and go, yeah, there is a difference because mm. there's no difference. Right? <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, there is, but it's hard to, it's hard to convey, especially now in a VR helmet, because what you see on screen isn't what you see in helmet anyway. So right. that messaging is, is tough, man. All right. Well, uh, speaking of VR, uh, let's talk about some VR in our uh, usual VR segment right now. <laughs> We've all been playing some VR. Uh, Khalif, you have a PSVR, uh, as as your uh, impulse buy was indicating. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I am still. I am still with my wife. She still loves me. (laughs) Oh, that's a magical thing. Me too. I was like, oh, she was like, what's this new thing in the? I was like, it's a helmet for another world. We can all be in it. Yay. Dude, I got I got a text message last night from my mother-in-law. And uh-huh. listeners of the show will remember I, I talked about how I put her through uh, the, the PSVR when it came out. I got a text from her last night saying, hey, if I wanted to buy VR for my husband for Christmas, what do I do? Wow. And I was like, well, because they don't have a, any console, right? I was like, well, it's going to run you about 1000 bucks all in for PlayStation VR. That's the least expensive way to do it. Because they don't have, you know, Samsung, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wasn't going to tell them to get v- gear. Um, <laughs> and she goes, oh, too expensive. Okay, thanks anyway. And I was like, well, that's kind of where we are right now. That's kind yeah. of where we are. But and that's, the, but and I that's was, the cheapest way to get in. Yeah, and I, I was encouraged that she was at least interested, you know. but No, that's a, I, I, when you heard that, I was like, that's a win. You know, like that's a win for the space when you right. can say, you know, you, someone's had that experience and then they can ask you, ask someone who else who, who already knows and like, hey, I want that. Can I can I get in on that? Um, we had one of those instances, uh, one of those kinds of things at the house. Uh, we had a whole bunch of people come over and I was like, it's going to be VR night. We're all going to play some VR stuff and, you know, we're all going to check it out and try it out because folks were excited. And we played Russia Blood. And I love the fact that on PSVR, you can record 
the experiences that are coming out of the helmet directly to your hard drive. Um, so I did like, oh, I have to put it together because I haven't done it yet. So this files was still on my hard drive, but I like took my phone, captured people from my phone while they were playing and then captured the gameplay on the other end. So I'm going to try to match those together and sync it so that people can see what they looked like when they were playing in VR. Amazing. And they were freaking out. It was yeah, so scary. good. It was so good. Um, so I've been playing a little bit of Russia Blood. It feels great. You know, it, it definitely does what it's supposed to do in the respect of like giving you those jump scares that you that you want. Um, I'm excited for that. I haven't played the kitchen demo yet in VR, which I'm dying to play because um, it was only on the European store. So I downloaded that Ooh. and uh, and I'm hopefully going to get some time in with that. Um, Thumper, I have been playing for any time I was able to go to a conference and get a chance to play some Thumper. I was doing that. And then when I got it home, I'm still loving the heck out of that game. They they have done something with the, the, the inertia of that game that is something that you don't really get in most VR spaces. Um, I think Riggs is trying to go for that, but it doesn't feel as good. Yeah. Um, it's kind of disorienting in a lot of ways. Um, but so Thumper feeds the, the speed and the score thing that I have for myself <laughs> where it's like, oh, I need to keep going. Oh, I know somebody in my friends who did better than I am. Oh, I'm going to be here for another half an hour try, <laughs> trying to get this thing done. Um, but Headmaster is my is my VR game. Like that's the one that I am rocking the most. That is so funny because that game seems li- like, like dumb. I mean, it seems. Dumb, I love right? that game. I love Headmaster. I mean, the the things I love about it is it feels more skill based than a lot of people would expect. Mm-hmm. It does. It does uh, take advantage of you having to like kind of remember exactly where your body placement is. Um, and PSVR has some some sync issues from time to time. It depends on a lot of a lot of different factors, you know, lighting in your house and 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 stuff just being in the way and and all that stuff. But that game makes me feel like when I've gotten things right, both in my mind and body, it sounds very <laughs> very zen like that I'm actually doing something very specific and nuanced and and interesting in a space that I didn't expect. So it's like if I'm trying to head. A, a soccer ball into the upper left corner of the net and I figure out what that motion is. It's one, it's hard to replicate once you get it right, which feels good. Cause then you get to learn from it. Hmm. And then two, uh, the, the kind of um, cheeky humor that they, they, they've put into the, into the game makes it feel like um, something different in that space where, you know, you feel like you're in this enclosed place. You feel like when you look around, you are this prisoner in this, in this <laughs> soccer internment camp, which is an interesting concept in and of itself. But it, but it gives me the feeling like I'm doing something different um, that I didn't expect to have in, in, and I haven't had yet in a lot of other, other games yet. Like Eve on the Eve game uh, feels good, but it doesn't feel like, the starfighter that I want it to feel like yet. Mm. Maybe that's a resolution thing. Maybe that's a, you know, I, I'm not feeling like I'm moving around enough. Uh, but Headmaster so far is my is my PlayStation VR game that I'm like digging on super hard. I guess I got to give that game a chance because I, I looked at that and I was like, well, this is that Wii level of interaction that everybody was afraid of for VR. And I, mm-hmm. I kind of I kind of wrote it off, I think, unfairly. I got to give that game a shot. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Yeah. Uh, Krishna, are you doing any VR stuff? I am, but nothing new. It's the same stuff that I've been doing. I have not purchased any new games. Um, Robinson's Journey interests me, but I, I I read online that a few people got very sick playing it, so I'm mm-hmm. waiting until you play it or I go to your house. I, you know, fool me once, shame on me, kind of thing. But the games I'm playing, I still love, and I'm I'm looking forward to um, 
some of the new experiences that are coming down the pipe for sure. Well, speaking of games that I've talked about before, but I'm still playing, I'm still loving Abduction in VR. I'm playing it on Oculus and I'm playing it with a controller. I'm playing it full free movement. For some reason, it doesn't bother me. When I talked about it last week and was raving about it, I hadn't even gotten out of the first major area yet, which is big. It's a big area. Uh, this is a game that's from the creators of Mist and Riven, so it's very much a puzzle game. There's no action to be had. It's all very slow, very methodical, figure out stuff, figure it out. How do I get over there? How do I flip that lever? Why is the power not on? How do I make things work? Um, and I have now gotten to some wildly different areas, and it made me fall in love with this game even more. All the time that I was playing Dishonored 2, I was like, I just want to be playing Abduction right now. <laughs> uh, I, am, I haven't looked at any online help cheat sheet fact things. I'm just in VR, looking around, observing things, and thinking. Thinking about how how does this all how what can I do where can I go how can I figure it out, and it's slow. It's taking me probably much longer than it should, but because I'm in that world, I'm just looking around and seeing stuff. I'm loving it. I it just I have more patience because everything's around me and I'm just sort of fiddling with things. And <laughs> the the cool thing about that game, and really games like it, is the reward for doing something right for figuring something out is what you get to see next. Like there's no, yeah, I don't know. There's no story beat or, or climactic explosion or anything. You just get to see the next place. There was, uh, you know, something you saw over the hill and you wanted to get there and now you're there and it's full of wonder and mystery. And that is the reward of these kinds of puzzle games, right? Witness was like that. Like, get beyond the door. What's beyond the door? Now you get to see what's beyond the door. And to do that inside a VR world is even more exciting because it feels like you're there. It feels like you actually got to go to that new place. Hmm. Uh, I, I'm loving Abduction. It's so cool. I'm surprised no one has made a Portal game yet. They have actually. Um, there is a on Vive. There is a um, a fan made Portal VR experience uh, that they is just a mod that they created from the Source engine. Uh, it it's very short. Uh, it's cool, but it is not what we all want, which okay. is like this real Portal game. I mean, you use portals and you do stuff, but it is and you're in you know the Portal world and there's V uh, VO happening. I mean, it's it's doing its best to replicate that experience as much as possible, but. It's very short and the puzzles are very simple and it's like, ah, okay. oh, just, it's just a tease for like an official Valve portal VR game. Got it. Uh, a couple of other things I want to talk about because I realize uh, I haven't talked about them before. A Vive game called Accounting. Have you guys heard about this? No. Ben Affleck? Uh, it's not the accountant. <laughs> it's Accounting. Uh, this is made by Dan Harmon and I think Dan Harmon's involved. It's the, it's the uh, Rick and Morty team. Uh, it might be one of the best. It's just insane. I can't even describe it to you guys. All I can tell you is everybody that has a vibe has to download it. It's free. You can get it. If you haven't played it, it's one of the funniest games I've ever played. It's one of the most nutball, wild things. You're in VR that you go to this, you start in this office where you're an accountant and then things just go 
bat s insane. It is, it's nuts. There are little characters yelling at you. You'll find yourself in like crazy cartoon court at one point. You, it is craziness and hilarious. And I, I texted my friend who has a Vive uh, after I played it, and I said, "Whatever you're doing right now, stop doing it and download accounting and play through it." So it only takes about an hour to play through the whole thing, and it's a delight. It's insane. Um, he got fired from his job for that, but like, yeah, yeah he, no, he, yeah, no, he was actually saving lives. He, he's uh, <laughs> in the middle of open heart surgery. Um, <laughs> I need someone to assist. Close him up. We're done. I got to get home. I got, just got a text from Jeff. Oh, William Pugh is on this game. I didn't know that. He's the designer behind Stanley Parable. It's sold. Yeah. Sold. Uh, oh, I'm hearing from the uh, chat room, uh, Sam, I can't pronounce that. Anyway, he says Stan Harmon isn't involved. It's just Justin Roiland and one of the designers of Stanley Parable. Okay, fair enough. Um, I should have checked that before talking. But uh, still, Justin Roiland is awesome, and the game is <laughs> insane. Oh, it's the Dan Harmon game, right? Yeah. He's <laughs> involved. Uh, and then the other game that I want to talk about, I got a pre-alpha access to a game called Soul Keeper VR. This is made by a small team, and it is a vision of the future, guys. This is what... Oh, was it Wireless VR? 5 or what are we no, talking about? No, it's what VR <laughs> software is going to be in the next year to two. It, what we are doing now, what we have right now is just a prelude. And this is, again, pre-alpha, very short experience right now. But it's Unreal Engine, on Vive, role-playing game, first-person, full uh, room scale, casting spells, fighting with swords. But it looks as good as any video game you want to play right now, if not better. It is stunning. There are dragons. You are fighting. It is, it's a a glimpse of what the future holds for VR. It is my dream come true. And and just a tiny morsel, tiny taste of what we're in store for, you know, as good as any video game looks right now, but you're there and you're doing the stuff. So, um, Keep your guys, keep your eye out for Soul Keeper VR, guys. I'll be talking about it a lot more as it moves uh, into open beta on on Steam. But uh, what I saw right now, I can't even express to you how excited it made me. It, it is awesome. Okay, so that's the VR segment. We're gonna skip tabletop time this week because we're running a little long already. Some but I say we're gonna table it. Hey, oh, I've been table. waiting. I've been waiting so long for that. You don't even <laughs> table know. table time. Um, <laughs> I do want to just mention uh, USC McLeod um, brought up uh, the fact that uh, we he talked about the Toy Hall of Fame. Uh, D&D made it. D&D made it uh, into the Toy Hall of Fame. We talked about that a while back. Uh, and also, I guess, the swing. Oh, I forgot to read this email. Guys, we got a VR email. Not, we're not out of VR talk yet. Nice. Uh, Nick uh, Strauss-Klein sent us this email. He said... Ever since I wrapped my mind around the concept of mature VR tech a few years ago, I've been on Jeff's VR hype train. I'm not a PC gamer, so I've been waiting impatiently all year for PSVR, vicariously getting my VR jollies up until last month through your descriptions of Vive and Oculus fun. I got a PSVR bundle on launch day, and I was initially a little let down by the low-res graphics and how finicky the first-gen tech can be, but the immersiveness is worth it. It's all that I had imagined and more, and I'm hooked. Until a month ago, gameplay and narrative were everything to me. But in VR, 
I'm finding I judge games instead on presence and experience, on how I feel about the places I go in in VR, on what kinds of images of space and movement linger with me after my time in VR. So I wanted to thank you for your enthusiasm and coverage of VR, and make sure you and your listeners know about my favorite PSVR game so far, which isn't getting much coverage. It's called Windlands. I made note of Jeff's excitement about it on Vive back in the spring, and the PSVR version is amazing. It's like being in first person inside of Super Mario 64, except you're freaking Spider-Man! And it has the awesome level-up mechanic that so few games dare to use. The only thing that improves your abilities as you play is you, your own skill and imagination. It's a three-button game with absolutely no power-ups and no hand-holding, and the first time I looked at a ledge 30 feet above me and a grapple point 10 feet below me and realized I had to turn around, back off a cliff, hours into this game, I still have to overcome my own self-preservation instincts to do this in VR, look up as I'm falling and watch the grapple point fade into the distance while fighting the urge to grab it, then fire my hook at the last possible moment in order to slingshot myself nearly straight up into the air past the grapple point and fly in a huge parabolic arc up onto the ledge. Well, it blew my mind in a way that nothing has since Portal 2, but far more viscerally than that. The sense of momentum and flying is an incredible quasi-physical experience for me. Maybe I'm lucky, but it doesn't give me motion sickness. It's more like the physical thrill after a good roller coaster. And when I need a little break, I stand on an impossibly high tower and gaze around at the beautiful, bright, sun-drenched vistas. Every time I boot up Windlands, I discover I've leveled up. I think of new ways to launch myself into the swirling, or excuse me, into the swinging, platforming, and exploration challenges. Thanks, guys. Nick Strauss-Klein. What an awesome email. Uh, and I couldn't describe it any better than that. It, it, that game is really cool. I haven't played it on PSVR, but I did play it on Vive, and I concur. It's a, These games are really, really cool in delivering that feeling of being friggin' Spider-Man! <laughs> nice. Have you guys, either of you guys tried that one? I have not. Not yet. Not yet. I don't no. think it's. I think it's a very inexpensive one. I think it's like ten bucks or something, but I could be wrong. All right, so uh, let's. Uh, well, we don't have tabletop time, so that's going to do it for this episode, you guys. Uh, we do have a parting gift coming up, and Christian has a bonus content for you where he talked to the writer of Titanfall Two. One of which, one of the writers, yeah, Manny Hagopian, and he, he started on Titanfall One. We talked about the other writer, bit. I believe, is Dan Harmon. <laughs> I mean, honestly, probably that guy has his fingers in everything. Um, yeah, but uh, it's really cool. I got some questions beforehand from Twitter that I kind of wove into the interview, and then I asked a couple at the end. But uh, hopefully, you guys dig it. So stick around for that at the end of the show. Uh, but I do need to thank Khalif Adams for being here, buddy. Thank you so much. Guys, thank you so much for having me on. It's always super dope to hang out with you folks and, and talk to the rest of the crew. Thanks so much. Yeah, absolutely, man. It's always great having you. Where can people keep up with your stuff? Uh, you can check us out at spawnon.me, on iTunes, on uh, NPR One. Uh, and we're doing the show every Tuesday, and you can come check out the latest one that has Zoe Quinn uh, dropping on uh, tomorrow, I think, on Tuesday. Awesome. Really dig that show. Um, you guys should definitely check it out. Christian, how about you? What do you got going on this week? 
Well, if you're in San Diego or near San Diego and listening to this live or the day it drops on RSS and iTunes, I am recording my second stand-up album Tuesday, November 15th at Lestat's in San Diego, which is 3343 Adams Avenue. It's a free show. Starts at 9 p.m. Get there early for seats. Um, it's all ages. I, I, I do swear in the content, but, you know, like high school kids or whatever, right? It's all ages. Um, I'd love to see you there. I know a couple people I'm excited to to meet, some internet friends that uh, I'll get to meet in real life. So that's like, fun and exciting. And then I have a, a Patreon going. It's uh, right now for a podcast, at least 20 more minutes where I dive into something geek-centric, um, you know, and spend more time on it, focus on it. Last week's episode was all about the shooters of 2016. And as we talked about on this episode, it's maybe the best year ever for first-person shooters. Um, but a pre-end-of-the-year before the year's even over, I, I rank them and I dive into them and kind of give my explanations for my thoughts and feelings behind the shooters of this year. This coming week's episode, which will come out tomorrow, um, Tuesday, is about adult science fiction. It's inspired by a, a movie I won't mention yet. Um, <laughs> but that's what that this week's episode is going to be about. It's at patreon.com slash Christian Spicer. Then I have a parenting podcast called Department of Parenting. You can find it uh, wherever you find your podcasts of choice and Twitter at Spicer. Mr. Kanata, what about you? Got several other shows for you to check out, including the Slash Filmcast. Uh, we did a review of Arrival, which I'll be talking about shortly. And uh, it's a it's a pretty good episode. We also talked a lot of politics in that episode. Um, we spent about an hour at the top of the show uh, working through our feelings uh, this week. And we've been getting some amazing feedback about that. So if you want to hear me talk a little more about that stuff. Um, I urge you to check out that episode, some really great things. And uh, I also do a a comedy science podcast called We Have Concerns, which you can find at wehaveconcerns.com. All right, so that's going to do it for this episode. Uh, let us go right now to our parting gift. Hey, give us a suggestion. Khalif, it's been uh, it's been quite a long week, and I'm sure next week will be quite long as well as we all uh, make it through. You got any things to help people get through their week? If you need a pick me up for the rest of your life, <laughs> the new Tribe Called Quest album just came out. It just dropped a couple of days ago. It is it is getting me through in a way that I did not expect. If you love old school hip hop with a little bit of new school uh, to it. The new Tribe album, Rest in Peace, Fife, as well, uh, is something you definitely need to have in your rotation. It's so good. So, so good. Oh, it, I love Old Tribe, it, I but I have completely dropped off the face of the planet, annoying. Have they been coming out with albums? Or is no. This- yeah, this is, this is, this like is a, the only one that they've that they've dropped in years. Same and, crew, same team, same lineup. Same same group, same group. Uh, Fife unfortunately passed uh, right. a couple couple months ago, I believe. Um, but he's on the album um, in 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 his parts that they recorded before his passing, and it's it's melded a lot of both political conversation and and, and stuff that that's always been in their music, but has still kept its old funky vibe with a little bit of new stuff in it too. So it's it's a little bit of tribe, a little bit of roots, it's a little bit of common in there. It's a lot a lot of good bits in there. So definitely check that out and pick that up. Awesome. Christian, how about you? You got a uh, parting gift? 
I do. I mentioned it at the beginning, and if you haven't done it, you can do it right now, and I'd recommend doing it right now because if you listen to NPR, they say, hey, you know, help support us, and you're like, yeah, 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 and then you don't because you're driving. Um, find a charity that you support. Set up. It can be a small amount of dollar. Make it a recurring payment, though, so that you're doing it even when you're not thinking about it, and I'm not going to tell you what charity to support. I will only recommend one. There are several. Um, Sierra Club is one I will recommend, but that is just my personal opinion. If you want more, uh, I'm happy to recommend them to you personally. You can reach out to me. And also work on the micro level to giving back to your community. And, and the one suggestion I will make there is find a, a food pantry in your neighborhood that you want to support. And if you have kids, a great way to get involved is when you go to the grocery store, have the list of the things that your local food pantry is looking for, and get them involved in picking it out because nothing makes the world a better place than getting youngsters involved and making it part of their daily routine that giving back and volunteering is just how we live. It is what we do. It is part of who we are, and it's part of our week, just like waking up and going to the bathroom before we go to bed. Those are all things we need to do to contribute to society. And so the one local micro-recommendation I would make would be donating to your local food pantry um, whenever you can. Not to take anything away from that, but uh, using the word youngster uh, makes you an old guy. <laughs> Today's my birthday, Jeff. And, said, yeah. and still, youngster. you're still older than me somehow. So, you said uh, youngst- <laughs> youngster. Uh, like you're a youngster. Actually, it's, uh, uh, someone that's from Youngstown, Ohio, is called a youngster. I was talking uh, specifically to my, my friends in uh, Ohio. <laughs> uh, um, <laughs> I probably don't need to tell you to see this, but go see Arrival. It's my favorite movie of the year. It is stunning and smart and incredible. Uh, if you have the ability to avoid all trailers at this point, I would recommend it highly. Let that movie be a surprise. Um, again, you can hear me talk about it on the Slash Filmcast if you want in detail, but all you need to know is it's worth your dollar. Get out there, see it. I saw it the day after the election, and it just made everything better. <laughs> it's, a, it's an amazing movie. Um, all right. We have, I do have a listener suggestion for a parting gift. Uh, this comes from Raphael from Chicago. He says, uh, I don't remember if either of you have recommended this book. It's called The Girl with All of the Gifts by M.R. Carey. It's a post-apocalyptic story with zombie-like entities called the Hungry. The main perspective is through a little girl that is a second-generation Hungry that has the ability to learn. I listened to this on Audible, and the narrator, Finty Williams, does a great job. I know the movie came out uh, in some festivals, and I'm still looking forward to seeing it. So there you go, guys. Uh, From this listener, I have not read this, but it's called The Girl with All the Gifts by M.R. Carey. And that girl is busy. I mean, she got a dragon tattoo. She was on a train. Mm. Oh, man, that girl. (laughs) Uh, Again, stay tuned for Titanfall 2 bonus content, but that's it for this episode. I got to thank Leith Adams and Christian Spicer for hanging out with me. Got to thank our musical contributors, Patrick L., Sean Madigan, and Zero Star. I got to thank all of you for hanging out in the chat room that have been here all episode. We really appreciate your input live as we record, and all of you that have downloaded the show Uh, We very much appreciate it. It's a privilege to speak to you every week, and we do not take that lightly. And uh, more than ever, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place.
everybody. Welcome to bonus content of BLC. I am here with Manny Hagopian, one of the writers of Titanfall 2. How would you label your title as writer of Titanfall 2, Manny? Um, let's see. Uh, I was originally brought on for Titanfall 1, actually. So I was uh, I was an assistant writer um, for Titanfall 1, where I basically wrote all of the... Um, all the background chatter so every grunt and every line that you hear that isn't part of the quote-unquote cutscenes, uh i wrote so i was a i was labeled assistant writer for that and then brought on titanfall 2 where i am uh, i guess the idea is production dialogue writer uh but that's just turned out to be just writer <laughs> <laughs> so what what does that mean what changed between titanfall 1 and titanfall 2 Oh, a lot. We got a single-player campaign, so pretty right. much my job uh, quadrupled. <laughs> yeah, and then for people that don't know you, you're very active in the L.A. comedy scene and improv scene. And then was it something that when um, you started writing for Titanfall 1 or kind of exploring the idea of games writing, was that something that had been a goal for you or something that kind of fell into your lap and you were like, here we go, I'll come up with 100 creative ways to write let's go get down over here get out of here <laughs> um it, it definitely was not a a goal uh when i moved out here i definitely I, I wanted to be a writer um and i got into comedy and i found myself um after a short time working out here and whatever jobs you could find. I was working on a show for uh, uh, Animal Planet for a little bit, and I managed to get a job with a guy named Jesse Stern, um, and I was his assistant. Uh, Jesse Stern is a writer for... Uh, he was a writer for NCIS um, for a very long time. He's also writes video games. He wrote Call of Duty Modern Warfare, Modern Warfare 2. Uh, he worked on some Battlefield games, and with me for Titanfall and Titanfall 2. Um, so Jesse was basically the one who brought me on board for when Titanfall uh, got announced that it basically swept at E3. Um, Jesse was brought in to help sort of shape the story uh, and brought me along to assist, um, which ended up... the uh, Steve ended up giving me all this background chatter work to do. And I said, I'm going to do as much as I can because they're giving me this opportunity to write. And I came out <laughs> right. to write. So uh, I just went at it and um, I, I don't, I went on a different approach and I, and I basically went, and this was one of the coolest uh, directions Jesse gave me was um, thinking of these grunts as the sort of of Titanfall. So it was like writing for characters who sort of have an idea what's happening, but it's it's <laughs> it's it's more skeptical. So it turned into more comedy based, um, and I guess that's what people really latched onto was the the comedy, because um, a lot of people after the game came out, there was a lot of uh, attention, and, and someone made like a bunch of videos that was like called "Shit My Grunt Says," and uh, Kotaku did like a whole article on called hanging with my grunts and stuff like that. So I think people just really liked the direction of making them fun and realistic and also building the lore of the world. You can learn a lot just by hanging out with grunts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That, so backing up a little bit, when you mentioned Steve, that Steve Fukuda, who was the lead writer or head writer of 
Titanfall and Titanfall 2 and did some of the first early press where if people listening, you know, read about the idea of Titanfall 2 kind of put out into the world, we're going to make it a little more real, a little gritty. We're going to ground these characters. That was Steve that was out there championing that. And also, I would add that Steve and Jesse, I mean, bringing you in, that had to feel good because it's kind of, those are some two, those are some heavy hitters. It's not like, oh, a buddy of mine from college was like, let's make a video game. And you were like, cool, I guess so. I mean, this was like you're you're drafted into the majors from the get go. Yeah, I mean, I didn't think of it like that um, until afterwards because I mostly thought of it as um, I finally get to do some writing, uh, and I wasn't much of a, a, a gamer per se at the beginning, so I didn't quite know uh, how big it actually was until I, it was just do this work, and I just busted my ass doing this work, and it was a good amount of work uh and i was not <laughs> hired by respawn at the time i was not necessarily like it wasn't really a job i was doing it because jesse gave me the opportunity and i didn't want to let him down so i did as much as i could and and he um really helped me uh expand on that writing style and learn how it is to be in a video game yeah which I have to imagine is is very different than writing a traditional half hour comedy or uh, hour drama or feature length. Could you talk a little bit of, uh, about those differences and maybe the challenges or maybe how it was a little easier to write for a video game than kind of sitting down to write a sketch or something more traditional? Oh, uh, I I wouldn't say easier. It's it's quite the opposite. It's just a backwards <laughs> way of thinking. Um, and and each you know video game company, everyone who makes their own games, they they have their own unique way of um developing a story and i i don't think there is a right way to do it um but the biggest thing and what i learned from jesse and steve is that in video games gameplay is more important you know, people who play the games want to play the gameplay they don't play the game necessarily for the story at least when it comes to first person shooters um so uh, gameplay mechanics are so important and the level design is so important, and the story is uh, sort of, it's important if it's, it needs to be there, but uh, it's not, it doesn't need to be spoon-fed to you. It doesn't need to be right in, like, these cutscenes that um, are in a lot of games are, are tend to be more boring than, at least for me, more boring than enter, uh, entertainment. If I'm playing a game, I want to play the game, I don't want to watch a movie. Um, and that's maybe my personal preference but uh so that makes it challenging it makes it difficult because we can't tell a story when the person who is watching it's like making a movie and someone who's watching the movie is running around the theater uh not even paying attention (laughs) to the movie at all so how do we get them to pay attention it's like extremely difficult and then on top of it the levels are uh, sometimes the levels are designed before the story so we'll have really cool ideas for levels and we'll have to find a way to make it fit into the story. So making this, it's like making a set piece for a play and saying, uh, you know, fit this whole thing into this story, into this theater yeah. material, whatever. I mean, I can only imagine, I remember some of the early chatter that came out about Titanfall 2 was, you know, for the single player, we've designed these really cool moments and what basically we tasked our designers with was go make something awesome mm-hmm. and then we'll make we'll make the game out of oh, it. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I think that's accurate, but also maybe does a little discredit to then to what you guys were able to put together because it certainly builds and is currently uh, constantly adding new things and having you do one cool moment after another after another. 
but it doesn't feel as um, disconnected as something like the current Battlefield, where it's totally just, hey, here are six stories. They're in no way connected, but flying that plane sure was cool. Mm -hmm. I mean, you guys found a way to string this together after you introduce time travel for a little bit. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, that was fun. um, That was fun. Yeah. (laughs) And I think, so like talking about, you mentioned like writing the story and how do you get someone to pay attention? For me, as someone who likes story and appreciates it in games, I mean, it was that level effects and cause where not only did the gameplay, you know, turn get turned up to 11 but also i found the way the story was presented was so interesting and i'm curious you know if that was the on the writer's side or kind of coming in with the idea of time travel because basically i felt like you guys found a way to tell essentially flashback exposition but in a way that was super compelling because you're kind of like what's happening and so i'm I'm listening to people when otherwise it would just be a boring flashback cutscene. Mm-hmm. um that, well that level everyone was excited about. I mean, and and I'm not going to belittle the other levels. I mean, every level in Titanfall two is exciting and uh, unique and different enough. What made besides the time travel aspect being like cool shit, the, uh, the, the level itself is a bit more slow paced than the Mm -hmm. others. Uh, the first, um, three levels that it's, it's a bit of, uh, you're constantly doing stuff. You're running around, you're, um, getting chased. There's a lot of, uh, a lot of, um, combat. Finally, we get a chance to settle down. We're also at this place that we've been sort of talking about, uh, of wanting to meet with Anderson. So we have, we have our explore time. So that gave us, uh, this, you know, uh, moment we can explore the story a little bit more uh when um so your question was how did we get uh what what made us choose to uh, put the exposition in that sort of unique way is that what you mean mm-hmm. um sort of came about organically i mean we knew we wanted to go into this uh sort of amphitheater or lecture hall and and see this guy like giving his speech. Um, and that just felt like, uh, a simple, like it just sort of wrote itself. Um, as for the little Anderson logs that are found throughout the level, those were, uh, a bit more challenging because they weren't, they, they were an idea we had to develop like, um, me, Steve, uh, 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 designer and, uh, uh, Jake, who's the designer of the level, like and a bunch of other people, like we're just figuring out how we can get this um, story across and how we can learn more from Anderson and what would be the best way. Uh, and eventually, we came up with this idea of these sort of logs that you get to visually see. And Mackie was uh, one of those who was like, "We need to see it. Like we can use, we can actually see Anderson and see what he's doing in both time periods, regardless of the." time period we'll be able to actually see what he's talking about in that visual connection and that audio connection it automatically will make the player seem a little more interested and sort of forces them to listen to a bit of a story without being uh with that with, without stopping their mobility they are still running around they can still do whatever they want <laughs> uh they can still time time shift if they need to uh it's not really putting a halt to that. So it all organically came about. And then a lot of just figuring out the easiest way to sort of express this story. Um, but man, that was a fun level to work on. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm curious if I had a time shift uh, wristwatch and I were to go back in time, who do I kill uh, out of you guys for having me break my device yeah, at the end yeah. of that level? Because I was having some fun. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, that sort of was like, you know, this is, I mean, I don't know. I don't, I'm not a designer, so I don't really, I'm not no, able to right. go into it. But all I know is that level itself is just, it's heavy. It's, it's, it's a lot of, uh, there's a lot in there, a lot of design in there that for it to be a whole game, I mean, you're going to want to, it, it, it may just take up too much space. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, I mean, I, of it all, but it's when we were emailing, I was, you know, singing the praises of this game and I will continue to for people that don't know or haven't, you know, listened to when Jeff and I sang the praises on other episodes of DLC. But I feel like as I finished that level and my time shift device was broken, <laughs> I was like, okay, Titanfall two, you better, you better keep this up somehow. And it did. Like, it's not as if you do that and then all game, you're just hoping you find another time shift device. Yeah. <laughs> like, you, you guys, the designers found something new and interesting for us to be doing. And then you guys kept a, I would say, and I mean this not in any negative way, but you found a way to tell a fairly simple story in an interesting manner where, you know, you're trying to prevent the end of the world, essentially. Yeah. And you have a bad guy and you have a team of good guys and you're going after and doing it. But along the way, you get to meet these these bosses, essentially, that that come in. And I'm, I'm curious if you guys leaned to any anime or any older um, mech style combat stuff where I kept waiting at some point for the classic anime like, you know, headshot to slide in and be like, Whoosh, Viper, <laughs> and he like does some uh uh, Dragon Ball Z pose or something like that, and then we and then we go to it. Was that ever an inspiration? Uh, uh, not for me, but I'm sure for Steve or uh, for uh, art and design. Like I'm, uh, I think they had this is stuff they brought up after the release. They were like, oh, re- relating it to certain anime stories. Not anything that I was knowledgeable about, but they definitely had some inspiration from th- certain things. Um, uh, you didn't show up with a with a stack of a. Uh, anime on your desk and they're like welcome manny get reading <laughs> no, i showed up with a, a stack of twilight zone books and they're like all right manny get out of here <laughs> uh so the last kind of two questions i have before some people on twitter submitted some stuff mm-hmm. um the first is why continue the story from titanfall one which i feel like you don't necessarily need to have played titanfall one to understand titanfall two but i did think it was a curious choice when titanfall one Kind of didn't have a story. Mm-hmm. It was there a conscious decision that. like this That's is too. This is a sequel. We need to continue this. Um, I don't know. I don't necessarily. I mean, it is a sequel in a sense, but also extremely minimally. Like it's not really that much of a sequel. I mean, it follows. Uh, it takes place after events of Titanfall, um, but it's not. Doesn't necessarily. You don't need any uh, knowledge on who Sarah is or who Barker is. I mean, some of the characters don't make it make their way back into the game. They're just mostly fan favorites that we wanted to uh, incorporate into the story. Um, We didn't feel like we were forced to like, you mean uh, make it a sequel as opposed to what? Well, I mean, I know it's called Titanfall two because it's second game, but I feel like as the first game with the single player campaign, you guys could have come in, you you know, you were, I I describe it as you're sitting in the middle of a blue ocean, right? You can go anywhere you want and it could have related to anything. And then as I'm playing it, I'm like, oh, this clearly takes place after the events of Titanfall one and Titanfall one story was a very thin, uh, you know, it felt 
added on to a multiplayer. And I'm, I'm not trying no, to no, that's fine. discredit any of the work people did on the first game, no, but I found fine. it interesting you're, you're, that this you're wasn't a big asshole. That's all. <laughs> I'm just surprised that this wasn't kind of its own its own thing. Why, and so I wonder why, if, we, if, why we didn't call it uh, like Titanfall, you and your buddy Titan. <laughs> like i i i guess i wasn't i i don't know why they if the question is why they named it titanfall 2 or had it take play i mean i don't know why it was called titanfall 2 i think it was just because it was the next titanfall game the second time i i don't think that was much like we for us uh didn't really put a lot of weight on that um as for taking place after uh, the events of Titanfall 1, in my opinion, I like to think of it as uh, not uh, uh, not belittling what happened in Titanfall 1. Like, Although the story for the majority of players did not come across uh, as well, and rightfully so, I mean, we didn't have like cutscenes we didn't have uh i mean, like real cutscenes. we didn't have a single player campaign so uh f- but for those who did follow the story and who did kind of understand that there was a bit of a battle and that there were some characters uh uh that were memorable i felt like we didn't want to act like that didn't happen um so taking place sort of five years after that uh makes you feel like this world is lived in a little bit um, that this this is something that's been going on, and I don't know if that is a bad thing or a good thing, <laughs> but it definitely. I mean, I yeah, I mean, I felt like it was a a good thing. I was just wondering if there was discussion or if maybe new fans to the game felt uh, a little left out in some way. Like this is the first time it's coming to the PlayStation Four, and I don't think that a, a gamer is like, wait, what's happening? It's not as if it's. You know, you needed to watch it previously right. on, like in Titanfall One, this happened, but it definitely it it starts you in a world, like you said, it's a world that clearly has existed and existed before, and now you're kind of thrust into the middle of it. I didn't have a problem with it, but I was curious, you know, oh, I, to what extent that was a discussion. But I think we just figured, what is the story that we want to tell? Uh, we didn't necessarily make those decisions based on whether or not people would play it. Uh, or not based on whether or not they didn't play the first game or something like that. Like we didn't, we were just like, what is the story we want to tell? And then when we came to the decision of, of a story of a, of a young rifleman wanting to be a pilot in this, um, in this war, uh, it sort of fell into play that it, it just, would just take place after the events of Titanfall one. Um, I think that's as far as I was involved in that decision making. <laughs> uh, either, either um, it would be a sequel or it would be a prequel. <laughs> right, sure. <laughs> it's only two options. <laughs> uh, so my last thing, uh, then I'll try to zip into a couple of these Twitter questions. Um, I feel like it's a trend in current all media, be it movies, video games, TV shows, and it happens in Titanfall two, and it happens in other big shooters that are out right now at this holiday season as well. You guys went for what I call the double death. And as someone who writes Mm -hmm. myself and tries to understand the medium and the act of writing and narrative storytelling, I kind of don't understand it. It happened in like Batman V Superman where Superman dies and doesn't die. And in here BT in Titanfall two BT dies and then doesn't die, but then dies. Mm -hmm. Is there 
an emotional something that I'm missing that's supposed to happen there where that hits me harder or, or was it a gameplay move or um, do you have thoughts, feelings? Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I have a little bit of uh, both thoughts and feelings. I think, and the answer is it's, it was gameplay and story um, related thing. I think um, for me, uh, I just, well, I thought it was uh, hilarious um, to kill them once and then kill them again. Uh, because <laughs> when you're telling a story that is so obvious that the, um, you know, buddy that you are becoming close with who, uh, throughout this entire thing is going to sacrifice himself for you. And people already called that from the beginning. Like, Oh, we know that's going to happen. We know it's going to happen. Right. He's your dog that dies. Yeah. <laughs> so to have that happen but then have the moment where you get them back and then have it happen again, uh, gets this sort of emotional roller coaster, uh, and it's unexpected, uh, which I thought that, I mean, I don't know when we decide, I remember the were conversations of like, should we kill him twice? Is that weird if we have him have it happen twice? <laughs> and, and this was based off of like what happens at the end of, um, the uh ship the 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 arc level versus what happens at the last level um Mm -hmm. we we sort of had the gameplay already established and we knew what would happen uh we didn't want to um lose the moment at the end where he um of the end of the arc level the ship level where he sort of protects you and becomes a little bit more human. And then you see him basically die in this, the beginning of the next level. Uh, we didn't want to lose that, but we also wanted him to do something heroic at the end of the game. Uh, so those two kind of fell into place. Uh, I, I mostly just think of it as, especially when I watch like Twitch players or whatever, like they're, they're playing and they're like, oh no, he died. We knew he was going to die. And then he comes back and they're like, oh my God, he came back, he came back. And then I'm just like, but we're going to kill him again. <laughs> and then we do. And then it's just this emotional reaction that we get. And that was kind of the ultimate goal. I mean, the if, if we look at this whole story and you had mentioned earlier about it was a simple story uh, told uh, in a unique way. Yes, the entire plot was extremely simple, and it needs to be. Some of these games needs they need to be because it's it's, it's open to you know, so many different players, types of players, people who concentrate so hard, and they need to know what's happening in every little inch of the story. And then those who just fly by and try to beat the game in an hour. Uh, but if we can get this small plot a- across to both players. Um, and keep it interesting for the ones who actually want to know every little detail, then, then that's great. But we actually, um, when we got to that sort of deciding on what we were going to do for the plot, that wasn't the story we wanted to tell, you know, from the beginning, we wanted to tell the story of this pilot and his pet dog, uh, his pet Titan. And it's the story between the two, which is when the interactive dialogue came up, um, where you're able to actually talk to BT. That was, Mm-hmm. So that was a, a sort of a, a light bulb on everyone's head. That was just like, there, we got it. This is what we want to do. This is the story we want to want to tell. And back when I uh, first started doing some writing, uh, like I don't know, whatever it was, year over a year ago, um, we uh, I didn't quite know what to start writing 
And that's when Jesse told me, he was like, why don't you just start working on these like sort of dialogue between BT and Cooper and come up with just normal conversations and stuff you would have and how you can develop this relationship. And he said, it. he was like, this is what this story is going to be about. It's going to be about you and this Titan. And I think depending on certain players, when you get to the first losing of BT, uh, depending on the way you played and how you chose your interactive dialogue, you have a certain emotion towards BT dying. And then when you get BT back, you have that another emotion. And then when you kill him again, you have another emotion. So you can get any emotion, like someone to feel sad about a, ro- a, a robot in a video game or someone to feel happy and joy or even anger. I mean, that's a victory. And that was sort of the goal was to get an emotion across in a video game where someone's just running around shooting people. Um, so I stand by no, that it. Makes, I'm glad we killed him no, twice. No, that makes sense. Twice. <laughs> At the end, I was just, I was, and I guess maybe it was effective to make me watch the credits where I was like, come on, pull a big hero six. Like, tell me at some point he shot his, like his eye can, he can come out. He can come out. You're not going to, you're not going to Batman v Superman him, are you? Well, I guess actually they kind of don't kill him in that. But uh, (laughs) it's like, fool me once, shame on me. Fool me twice, shame on me again. Fool me three times. Okay, I'm in this. (laughs) But he did Um, stay after the credits though, right? What? He stayed after the credits though, right? Oh yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Okay. I, I, I mean, I am in the industry enough where I, I stay through. The okay, credits. I will. Yeah, so, I will watch know, a crawl. There's something there. There's something there. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I didn't get to see Nick Fury come in and do something, but that's okay. Oh, <laughs> did you? <laughs> oh no, I missed it. I got to go back. You don't know uh, what that um, Whatever that blinking was, could have been Nick Fury. Oh yes, <laughs> confirmed, exclusive. <laughs> I said it. Yep, BT and uh, Cooper are joining the Avengers. <laughs> at this rate they, they could um could. so a no comment is perfectly fine here i mentioned before started recording uh-huh. i'm not trying to eat in trouble this is a very friendly interview but from twitter the the biggest question i see as we're you know chewing up the clock i don't want to keep you forever mm-hmm. the biggest question that people are asking is we need more story it, it, you know respawn has come out and said it's going to be free dlc free multiplayer yeah it's great the multiplayer is great it's fun and it's engaging whatever but uh, Agreeable Mika, will they be expanding the story in any way? I'll take something like Overwatch that has animated videos. Heck, I'll take something like Destiny with Grimoire cards. Uh, will they be releasing any single-player DLC? They said map DLC, but those villains had so much personality. I want more story. <laughs> Please tell me there's more story behind the bosses. They're the coolest person in the game, and I feel like I just met them before I killed them. Wow. <laughs> uh, uh, how many years after this game we have to wait before we get more story please answer zero so <laughs> i mean the, the demand is That's there i don't nice. know if you can comment on bigger picture titanfall universe stuff but if you can and you would like to i would love to hear it <laughs> um i cannot comment on anything <laughs> um but there is a lot of story in both games, uh, Titanfall and Titanfall 1. And, and you can probably find a lot of the stuff on, on YouTube now, hopefully. But um, there is a lot of story, hidden little story nooks that uh, if they really are itching to know some more stuff, um, there there's a lot to find in the uh, effect and cause level. Uh, I know for a fact that there are five audio logs that nobody has found yet. Um, okay. And they, cause I, they, if they found it, 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 it would be on the internet and I've been looking and so far nobody's found. Them. All right. I gotta go. This is great. Thanks for anybody. <laughs> and uh, they may or may not be voiced by someone who is uh 
a an established actor. Um, so hmm. you can you can they're on the in the credits, so you can look at the credits. <laughs> but uh, that hasn't yet to be discovered. So I encourage anyone to try to find those five audio logs. There are also, uh, I think, another five audio logs in that level. I think there are ten that that you can find throughout that level that um, give a little bit more story and a little in-depth of what's been going on. And I know this has been found, but there is the entire full speech uh, uh, that General Martyr gives in that um, lecture hall. Uh, You know, when you walk into the lecture hall for the first time, you see, like, him giving a little bit of the speech. Um, when that, and then, then that ends and you go to the podium and you can listen to some of the speech, but there, later in the game, you can find another audio log that has his full, I think it's like three to five minute long speech. Um, <laughs> so that's, uh, another little, little detail. And as for Titanfall one, then these are videos you can find online. If you just listen for all the grunts, like they they tell a lot of exposition. They tell a lot of their own personal stories and names and characters and a lot of setup there. Uh, and I, I, there weren't that many opportunities for Titanfall two for that, but there are, when you are with certain sort of militia guys, you can listen in and hear a lot of extra story bits. Um, and uh, I, I, one thing I did is I created a character named Barry, and Barry so far has been in both games. So if you, you can oh, nice. find Barry. <laughs> um, <laughs> other than that, no comment. Yeah, so the official answer is no comment, colon, there's more story in the game, go find the story that's still there. Go find the story. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's awesome. Um, well, thank you so much for taking, taking the time to chat. I really, really appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, no problem. Um, for people that are trying to... Um, stalk you online and maybe suss out some more story details. Is there somewhere that you want to send people to Twitter or anything or questions or comments to questions at respawn.com or anything like that? Uh, I don't know any respawn questionnaire. Email. Not one nine hundred Titanfall two tips. No, they just they'll just call you. Um, uh, they, I think they can follow me on Twitter. I think it's I, I, what is my Twitter is just at Manny Hagopian. Um, and they could find me and ask questions. I had someone the other day ask me a question about how uh, how Anderson ended up in the ceiling. Um, so that was fun. Uh, you can do that. You can ask questions if you want, <laughs> and I may or may not answer them. We'll see. <laughs> nice. A little bit of mystery. Well, thank you so much for taking the time. I really appreciate it, so uh, and congrats on a, an incredible, incredible game. Oh, thanks so much for playing the game. I'm glad everyone likes it, and I hope you guys um, keep playing it. Tell your friends. Mm-hmm.